I want to do what I usually do and ask everyone, encourage, beg, plead with you all to go to HankStrange.com, sign up for our email list, look around the site. Lola, Lola's always sharing deals there on, on the website, as well as if you want to support us by buying some patches, check this out. Boom. You can get some uh, Hank Strange patches if I can hold them up properly for anyone looking here. So there you go. This is the blaster patch that's the logo patch you can get that on hexstrange.com for anyone who's buying those things uh while we have supplies we've got these gunvolt stickers that we're throwing in there at no extra cost to you <laughs> they didn't cost us anything either but we got these from the nssf guys gunvolt so that way we can uh, we can all remember that definitely this year we need to make that gunvolt um, big shout out to Franklin Armory. I want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast here. Uh, they're very supportive of us, and we appreciate that. You know, those are the guys that make those binary triggers. Uh, we can talk about that and whatever else you want to. I think we're going to get into the show here. Let me hit the open. Let's. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation. Lifestyle. Make sure you guys subscribe, thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified. Okay, we've got David from Down the Barrel. He's never been on before. David, we do this warm-up thing called Jazz Hands. And there's a deliberate reason hey. I didn't tell you about that in the beginning. Everyone has to do Jazz Hands. Come on. Uh, Rolando, I don't see your Jazz Hands, man. Come on. Get uh, I got him. I got him. I got him. Oh, let me see. Hold on a second. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I hope you got your big girl panties on because we are live. And this is episode 641 of the Who Move My Freedom podcast. I'm your host. Hank Strange, and as I said, we have joining us live, we've got David from Down the Barrel. David, what's up? Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you for coming on here. Um, we'll, we're going to get into uh, David and Down the Barrel. If you guys don't know, uh, David, you, you build guns for, uh, let me see, Black Rambo, right? Uh, Killer Mike, the rapper, okay, and some other, some other folks out there. Yeah, a lot of other folks, yep. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get into that and much more. Awesome. Also joining us, Rolando, Puerto Rican Pistolero. He who goes to uh, to uh, K-pop. K-pop to support his K wife. Yeah, K-pop <laughs> concerts. We've got Rolando joining us. What's up, man? Hey, everything's good. Good to see you. Happy to be here and, uh, and uh, join you guys tonight. Awesome. Follow Thanks. up after uh, Latina locked and loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Last night was uh, that was a fun show. Fun show. OK, mm -hmm. so shout out to all the folks out there. As you guys are coming in, please smash those thumbs ups. We appreciate that. Uh, we're going to get into this with David. David, if you let's start here. Right. How about explaining to the folks who you are? What's your business that you do? We can probably start. There All may right. be a little bit of a background on who you are, where where you're located, etc. Okay, uh, David Boy Bones. I own uh, Down the Barrel LLC. Um, we custom build rifles. Uh, we recently got up with Black Rambo to uh, build the uh, Black Rambo line of pressure rifles, and we're coming out with a couple more uh, deals with Black Rambo. Um, like I tell everybody, I was I was one of those I'm one of those guys who says you can do it no matter what. Mm -hmm. I was raised up there poor. I came from dirt poor, joined the military for a while, and then got into guns, and here I am. You know, okay. uh, North, I'm in North Dakota, originally from North Carolina, the backwoods of North Carolina, and mm -hmm. now I live in North Dakota, and we sell online at downthebarrelofficial.com. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. 
Um, let me see. I don't know if Rolando, if you have any questions right off the 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 uh, is it right off the bat? Yes. Or is it yes, right off the bat? Yeah. Do you do, uh, are your are your rifles your custom ones on your website or on your Instagram? I wanted to check them out. Or do you have uh, where do you have them? Out? The Black Rambo's are on the website. Okay. My custom ones, uh, we don't have them on the website because we tried to make we want to make room for the Black Rambo's. Okay. Uh, custom ones you can call and if you don't get me leave a message because i'm always busy but uh with the custom ones we do according to you so we get together and we actually build it according to the way you want it okay cool. what's the website just down the barrel.com down the barrel official.com oh, down the barrel official okay hold on yeah because everyone uses it there's a down the barrel is very popular on the internet so here, I'll share that. I'll screen share that for the folks out there so you guys could see it and you could go uh, check this out while we're here talking down the barrel official. So do you guys do handguns and rifles? Uh, we drop ship handguns, but right now we only custom build rifles. We only custom build AR pistols oh, okay. and rifles. Okay. So, all right, cool. Um, and I'm just taking a look here. What's the base? What's the uh, ground up of the... Or the, uh, I guess the way I'm, what I'm tr looking for here is to say, where do you start with the rifles? Is that from a particular company? Is it your lower? What's going it's on? It's my lower. Uh, we start okay. with my lower, my handguard. Uh, we have DTB handguards. We mm -hmm. have a custom upper uh, that's built for us, and we have our lowers. Mm -hmm. And pretty much we start with our lower, and we can cut your handguard out any way you want. So, like, if you want Hank Strange cut in it, okay. we can cut Hank in it uh okay. so the the hand guards are built according to the way you want them uh and then we share code them mm -hmm. uh custom barrels and i mean the whole nine from there is custom any color you want any way you want it takes some time to get through it but it's pretty much every way you want it's worth it in the end okay cool um for anyone that's watching us here you could just look in the background here of david and, and you'll see some some of his custom stuff of course mm -hmm. for the youtube overseers He's not touching anything. Those are in the background. Don't get out of hand. Um, shout out to everyone who's coming in. Let us know if you guys have questions and things like that. We'll, we'll try to get to as many of your questions as we possibly can here. Um, I see Gun Doctor TV is out there. Shout out to him. Uh, Razor JB. Dan hates you who's also there. Uh, he says, what is this? Sorry I'm late, but you'll have to start over. No. <laughs> you're just gonna have to go for the ride right now um eric gonzalez says he's grilling and watching lot Lau on constitution awesome. day america is it constitution day it is oh see i didn't even know that i'm it slipping what mm -hmm. okay at least i got i got the little mini constitution here yep yeah what are we supposed to do on constitution day anyone I guess read, read yeah. the preamble uh, from memory and uh, oh, the first. Oh, from memory? Uh, uh oh. Yeah, and the Bill of Rights. <laughs> oh. Can any can any one of you do that? Either one of you guys? Can you? Uh, I can do the something? preamble, but I can't do the uh, the entire Bill of Rights like verbatim. Okay, you want to do some preamble for us? Uh, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty uh, to ourselves and our posterity, uh, to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Oh, nicely done. 
Yes. Impressive. Yeah. Nice that that one I've got, and then I can yeah. I can do a few amendments. How long, but... how long have you had that? Uh, <laughs> how long uh, had... I, in eighth grade, uh, they made us recite it in class, and you had mm-hmm. to like come up with like a creative way to memorize it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I split it oh, oh, almost like a haiku in like different verses, and then oh. that ever since then I just I've always had it in my head. Oh, that's so, cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Wow, me, I'm just like, we the people. Boom. Yeah, Yeah, got that one down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gun Doctor TV says, yes, it is, and I was born on this awesome day. Happy birthday to you, sir. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to you. Uh, And Razor JB says, Carolina Carolina boy. That's what, is that what you said? Your your family's from Carolina? David? Yeah, North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. And then Mm -hmm. you're, so you're out in South Dakota now. North Dakota. North Dakota. Okay, North Dakota. See, you got to pay attention. Um, <laughs> how is it? What is it? I'm guessing it's a massive difference, man, North Dakota. Yes, it is. Uh, North Dakota, I'm about 20 miles from the Canadian border. And with the wind chill, sometimes it gets about 60 below zero here. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, it gets yes. pretty cold here. And then North Carolina is like humid where I'm from. It's like mm-hmm. uh, Piedmont area mm-hmm. right out Fayetteville, so it's like humid. So to go from there to here yeah. was a drastic change. And now when I go back, everybody, it's like everybody's like, "Oh my God, I'm cold!" And my kids and I are out there with like t-shirts on. Oh, okay. <laughs> the adaptability yeah. is crazy. Yeah, I see the kind of. I could see a little bit of that in the background. If you look here at your backdrop, I could see some stone and it looks like a. Yeah. I don't know if it's a log cabin type of a deal. But it looks nice. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Um, how many years have you been out there? Yeah, good question. Uh, do what now? How many years have you been out there? I've been out here 12 years, a little oh, over okay. 10 years. Okay. Yeah, so we moved, we moved up here right when the economy kind of went down. I mm-hmm. think it was like 08, 09. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad's from Belcourt. He's from the Turtle Mountain Reservation here. So he's like, mm-hmm. um, come up here, man, you know, because that's when the oil boom was going up mm-hmm. and the house was going down. So mm-hmm. I came out here to actually work on trucks as – uh, you know, as because there was money here mm-hmm. and there's always been money here and there, there'll probably continue to be money here as long as there's oil riggers and oil wells. Yeah. And I ended up staying. I was going to come out here for a couple of years and it's just peaceful here. It wasn't like back home. It's peaceful. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I got here, I saw like little kids riding their bikes around the town and mm-hmm. I was like, unbelievable. Like it's old why, school. Why these kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we just ended up staying. It was a great place to live. Mm hmm. Okay, very cool. Um, so the, I'm guessing there's just not a lot of people then, right? Or uh, what's your what's your take on that? Here, there is a lot of people here because, um, like, we're right next door to Minnesota, right down from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of like little towns separate. Mm-hmm. You got a couple big cities, but mostly little towns with two to three thousand people populations. Mm-hmm. So it's small mm-hmm. compared. You know, Fayetteville and places mm-hmm. like that, but mm-hmm. it's so I like it. I like yeah. that it's yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know, it's like you said. I think peaceful. So uh, a couple of things that's come pop into my mind, Orlando. I don't know if there's anything in your mind. What? So are you? You've got Native American Indian ancestry. I take it. Yes, my yeah, my dad's uh, from the Turtle Mountain uh, band of Chippewa Indians. Okay. Uh, Nisha. Man, and then like First Nations, and my mom is like Cherokee blended, so okay. she's like 
Uh, you got you got dark skin, light skin. You got all that. So we kind of she's actually hatchy there, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of a I'm a blend of everything. French. My grandfather was Irish. My okay. my grandmother was like a slave or something. It was mm-hmm. just a blend. So yeah. I can't get mad at nobody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could always find someone to get mad at. <laughs> Trust me. You know, if you want to, I think a lot of that comes down to your personality and how you see those things. Definitely. And, you know and. I just, I'm, I'm a firm believer and I just walk away from anybody that's negative. Like we'll be mid conversation and you start talking bull drive. I'll just walk away mm-hmm. I ain't for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's see. And then the other thing that uh, came to mind is that you said you did some uh, military service, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was in the uh, U.S. Army 11th ACR. I got out after about three years, a little over three years, and I came to North Dakota and I joined the guard for a couple of years, and then I got out. I was kind of, was kind of done with it after that. Okay, so, so is that where the um, you know where attractions to guns started, or are you just always into guns? Well, being in the South, you're always into guns. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, being in the military introduced me to a new level of firearms. Mm-hmm. So it's you know because. In the South, you got your rifle and your shotgun and, you know, your base. And you see something extravagant, you're like, oh, man, that's cool. And then being in the military, it just introduced you to, you know, the AR-15, M60, you know, 249. And then coming out of there, mm-hmm. that's really got me into the love of firearms was mm-hmm. the AR-15 coming out of the M4 carbine or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so I just fell in love from there, man. And just that was it. I always knew I was going to be a firearms manufacturer. Oh, okay. So, oh, really? So, did you do did you do something directly firearms related in the military, or you did something else? Well, I started out as a um, tank maintainer. I was the guy that like split the packs and worked on the tanks and turbine engines. And then, so they they sent me to Fort Bragg for a minute, and then I left there and I went to Fort Irwin, which is NTC National Training Center, mm-hmm. and they fix tanks there, but civilians do it. So okay. I was, but I was pretty much the guy that you know um, went out to the field and you know played the bad guy and played the games and stuff that did oh, the cool. training soldiers and the hand to hand combat and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh nice. So that was me. okay. That's how my whole military career. Okay. Just running through the deserts of California. Right. Okay. So um, and and you've got some skills at fixing tanks. Yeah, turbine engine tanks, okay. track scenery, the whole nine, and then. Uh, most of my skills come from uh, we we actually learned how to you know did training on how mm-hmm. to you know take care of situations and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So that was where my whole career was was right in there, um, and it was it was amazing. I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. going to the field. Yeah, right. one of uh, one of the guys who's always here on the show, Walter from Safety Harbor Firearms. Uh, he was never in the military, but he's a big military vehicle guy, and that's his favorite thing, man. Tanks, so. Uh, oh man, I yeah. I hate working on them. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I hate it, man. Because like you'd be out in the field working on those deals at like two thirty in the morning, and in the in the desert it gets really really cold, mm-hmm. and you got JP eight everywhere, and it's all over you, and it's just what's uh, J what's JP eight? It's it's, t- oh. it's fuel. It's like a blend of fuel, like diesel okay. type fuel, and it's like sometimes it comes off the hoses, and it's all over you. And oh, I mean wow. you can. Pull a tank engine out in a matter of minutes. Right. You know, and it's supposed to be clean. But yeah. Like you said, always, I think it's a power pack, right? And you can yeah. just 
Yeah, power yeah. pack. You just pull it out, just unhook a bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. pop it out. Herc, mm-hmm. and I just uh, I hate I, I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it as much as I did running through the desert and playing war games. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's always more fun. That's like, uh, you know, you were doing in real life, I guess, what people do on video games a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was the loud Call of Duty guy, I guess. Yeah. What you call yeah. It. Did you ever did you ever get out into combat overseas? <laughs> okay. No, uh, I volunteered for it three times, and every time I got pushback, they said they'd rather have trainer. You know, you would be better to train 10,000 than mm-hmm. it is to, you know, possibly lose one or something like that. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of training to okay. do it. So. Okay. <clears throat> it was, it was, no, it was, it was good. I liked it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Absolutely. Um, Dan hates you says that jet fuel, it's thin diesel. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, it's like a blend of diesel okay. and, uh, like, like I don't know. I don't exactly know the blend, but I know it's blended, and I know it's like horrible when it gets on your skin. Mm-hmm. It's just stand mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Did you have any questions, Rolando? Yeah. How did you transition from pretty much servicing vehicles and things like that to actually manufacturing a firearm? So, like the point that you're doing your own lowers and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and go through that uh, process. So. I got out the military and I was, I got into diesel mechanics cause that's what I knew, you know, and it just got old. It mm-hmm. really old. And, and it wasn't that it was a bad gig or bad job or anything. It just, it just got old. And honestly, the truthfully, I, I was, I Googled it. I Googled like wow. high paying careers mm-hmm. and you know, you got pharmaceuticals and then you have, uh, you know, firearms was like in the top five. Right. Hey, I can do that. I can build firearms. And it took a minute. It took like a year and a half to get everything together and get with the right people and things of that nature. And um, not knowing anything about business. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. I didn't know shit, nothing about business. And and so that was kind of a downfall. But I learned from it and mm-hmm. it kind of brought me to where I'm at today. And I just I always wanted to get into firearms. I just didn't know how. So mm-hmm. honest, Googled it. That was that's the honest truth. Of it. <laughs> so there was. So Man, that's you didn't, awesome. Yeah, I know that's cool. I mean, that's you know what I always tell people that, right? Because there's mm-hmm. always these people. Um, doing what we do, you run into people, and they're like, "Oh man, people should someone should tell people about this." And I'm like, "There's this little thing in your pocket that the Egyptians invented called phone, <laughs> you know, and you could just Google machine anything." Right. Yeah, it wasn't a magical mm-hmm. deal. Like one day I saw, you know, a deal. I honestly was just tired of living. I wanted to be a, my own businessman, mm-hmm. and I knew I knew about firearms, and I was like, you know what, this is the way I'm gonna go. And honestly, I sat and I, I said a prayer, and I had 136 dollars, and that's what I bought my license with. Well, that's what I bought my name with. I I, I trademarked my name, mm-hmm. and I made payments to trademark my name, and then I went from there. Started okay. with a prayer. And 36 bucks. Awesome. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, listen, you know, that's proof that anyone could pick themselves up by their own bootstraps. You know, um, yep. success is not guaranteed, <laughs> but failure yeah. is if you quit. <laughs> yeah. If you quit, you've already failed. But if you keep going and just keep striving and pushing towards a goal, and, you know, yeah, I like when I got into it, I, I, I lost on my first gun deal. Then I lost on my second gun deal. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And I started like 
Googling people, business people. Mm -hmm. And I started looking into how they operated business. And most business people are in real estate. Mm -hmm. So I just applied that to, you know, the gun side. And then I applied the things that I was taught Mm -hmm. as a youth, Mm -hmm. what not to do. Because we weren't really taught about money. So I just applied what not to do. And Mm -hmm. I just combined together and created a Mm -hmm. um, a little platform for myself. And here I am. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. And one of the crazy things about America, and I guess a lot of places, that in um, in all the way up to high school, they don't really teach you about money. I don't know if they've made any changes recently. No, they don't. I don't think so. Yeah, no one teaches you about money. And then for a lot of us, depending on, especially depending on where you come from, right, uh, or your background, your parents don't know, so they can't teach you. <laughs> no, yeah. my parents were poor my you know my dad he was my mom and my dad were separated so mm-hmm. i was in that separated home and then you know it was uh, my mom um growing up when i was 11 like she went mentally ill because mm-hmm. she was going to school she was working she was raising kids so she had a nervous breakdown yeah too so i kind of sister yeah and then so she had like an abusive boyfriend and he just beat my ass and you know things like that and, mm-hmm. uh, i just took all that and i learned from it Honestly, I, I really learned from it. Like I said on the, um, John's uh, podcast, if you've been through it, I've probably seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of stuff in my life and I just learned from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you have another question there, Rolando. I don't want to, um, you know. No, no. This is, uh, this is this is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. just if we can go back for a second for the folks out there who maybe want to get into the firearms industry and from your point of view of not knowing anything or anyone, you you know you said you Googled it and then you said that you uh, you trademarked the name. Uh, was that mm-hmm. down the barrel that you trademarked? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, the the first thing I used to do is trademark your name always. Mm-hmm. Um, so I trademarked down the barrel DTB mm-hmm. uh, down the barrel official uh, Freedom Flows because that's our logo Freedom Flows. I trademarked my logo mm-hmm. and. I learned from a person that said, you know, you take a name, like let's say Hank or whoever, Mm -hmm. you take a name and then you build it up Mm -hmm. and then someone comes in and they are trademark your name and they take everything from you Mm -hmm. because now they your name. So that was the first thing I learned to do was trademark my name Mm -hmm. and and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Getting getting started in business is easy. Uh, Doing a business is, is simplified, but it's not easy, but it's simplified. But building a brand it's difficult mm-hmm. it's to build a brand to actually build a because nobody knows you mm-hmm. it's not you you're you know and then once once you um, trademark your name and you get into the field that you want to get into the next thing I did was I, I got my lowers done started mm-hmm. getting my low I could show people hey I got lowers because there's nothing else you can resell your lowers mm-hmm. everything else on the firearm is easy it's mm-hmm. as easy as find it it's just the lowers and uh, trademark my name I got my ATF paperwork done. It took about three or four months for that to go through. And uh, then I got my, as I was doing that, I was working on my, getting my lowers done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and from there, man, and then, you know, I, I going on YouTube and learning from people how to build a brand. And the first thing you do when you build a brand is you got to get your name out there. I heard a gentleman say one time, uh, Grant Cordon, you ever heard of him? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah. I was watching him. He was a big, like, okay, so uh, Nipsey Hussle. Mm -hmm. I I used to listen to Nipsey Hussle every day. It was like most 
Like you cannot listen to Nipsey Hustle and not go out there and want to grind and make yeah, money. He's a hustler. Well, he he was a hustler. Uh, you know. Yeah. Rest in so peace. So Nipsey was like a big yeah. R. P. Mm-hmm. Nipsey man. He was like a even though I didn't know him, just listening to his music influenced mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So Nipsey Hustle, honestly, like Ross, Rick Ross, I I would listen to him just the my boss. music. Right. Yeah, the music kind of got me up. Yeah. And then so I, I started watching people like uh, Grant Cordon. I remember mm-hmm. him saying there, he said, uh, he was talking to a guy, and he says, um, so what do you sell? Mm-hmm. And the guy was telling him, and he says, well, I don't know you, so how am I supposed to know to buy from you? Mm-hmm. And that clicked at me. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to get people to know who you are, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in order for them to buy from you. Mm-hmm. And so I started watching him. Um like I said, Nipsey Hussle, Rick Ross, Grant Cordon. I started mm-hmm. watching just different people. Uh, Killer Mike, mm-hmm. uh, watching him. And Black Rambo was like a big one, too. I watched mm-hmm. him like, dang, this dude is really yeah. doing it. Black Rambo you know kind of I mean? came out. How long has Black Rambo been out there? Does anyone uh, a few, know? A few years. years. Yeah, he kind of came yeah. out of nowhere. It's interesting because the first time I ever saw anything with Black Rambo, I was going through something in my own video. And then I, like, you know, obviously I, I've been doing videos for a little while. And whenever you post up videos, you're looking at stuff. And I started noticing that there was this dude, Black Rambo. Every time one of my videos went up, it was suggesting Black Rambo. I was like, what's, what the hell? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, and then I was looking at it and he's like shooting sideways and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. But he really built up that name really fast. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the one that like. I watched him because that lets you know that you can be who you are and be mm-hmm. successful. Yep. Yeah. Because he is who he is. He doesn't care who doesn't like it. You yeah, know, he he's is pretty unapologetic about it. I've yeah. come to I've come to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just watching people like that, learning from them, uh, 50, yeah. like fifty a businessman, dude, like with vitamin water and all that. Yeah. Just watching businessmen, taking little bits and pieces from them mm-hmm. and learning from them mm-hmm. and reading. Mm-hmm. My the first, the first book I ever read besides like you know really about business besides like the Bible because you mm-hmm. can read like Proverbs you know Proverbs is about mm-hmm. how to uh, be successful um was uh uh what what's the one uh, the richest man in Babylon so okay. I read that just kind of like I read that two or three times over and then I started reading other books from there mm-hmm. and what's just, just can you, can you uh, just tell me what's the richest man in ba- Babylon about. Uh, it's just about this gentleman who um, he was pretty much broke and he wanted to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so there was a guy who was teaching. Well, he a guy that was successful and he wanted to learn. So he went to him and he asked him about how to be successful. And the guy just coached him on little ways to be successful. And he took that coaching and he added to it until he was like the richest man. And then I think the government or something wanted him to spread the knowledge so he started teaching others on how to be profitable and rich mm-hmm. and just things like that, like saving so much of your money or learning to live off of so much of your money. Like there was one part in it and you'll notice if you read it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of it that you see in motivational speakers when they talk about money and things. Cause yeah. like one of the, issues he said was, um, the guy says, well, I can't, you know, I can't save any money. He, and he basically told him you're living above your means. Mm-hmm. And so you have to live below your means Mm-hmm. So you get to a certain way you can live past your means. And I just took that book and read it a couple of times, The Richest Man in Babylon. That's yeah. an awesome book. I, I was just throwing up the cover of it. It says that uh, it was originally published in 1926, and it's got 144 page count. So if anyone's interested in that, um, I would look it up. I also cool. I think here that uh, Audible 
Um, Audible has it. So I like to listen to a lot of stuff on audiobook. You know, so mm-hmm. while you're dropping some of this wisdom on us, I'm trying to share it with the people out there. I've never heard of that, so I always like to look into things that um, I never heard of. And 144 pages? Come on. Not bad. Yeah, that's a, that's a good book that you can read. It's just like um, this, this podcast is called Who Moved My Freedom? And it comes from the, the book Who Moved My Cheese, which I think is a <laughs> very good motivational uh, book. It's, it's for a lot of people out there who are starting a, a building a business like yourself. And basically, it's, you know, it's about rats in a maze. And, you know, if you, if you get accustomed to the, the pathway that it takes to the cheese and then someone restructures that pathway, what do you do? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, you just That's... restructure your way of thinking about it. So go mm-hmm. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I like that. Keep talking. I'm interested in it. What's yeah. the name of it again? It's called uh, Who Moved My Cheese? Really, I, I think... Uh, Rolando, is that how many pages is it? I don't think I think that's maybe somewhere between thirty and sixty pages at the most. You could read mm-hmm. it in a day, you know. And oh, that's what I that often, yeah, that's what I often do. Like I read that book several times a year. You know, it's a good thing just to remind you because constantly in life, doing what I'm doing on social media, what you're doing, what Rolando, and even uh, the it's just in life in general, people are constantly changing the rules. Yeah, right. You know, so you have yeah. to learn how to adapt to that, and I think. It's a great book. It's been around for a long time, and it's a short book. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read yeah. that. Uh, like for me, like I also read The Art of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the one I read, and one that really opened my eyes was The Laws of Power. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you if you read The Laws of Power, and and look at yourself from the point of view of, let's say, the reader, just kind of step out of yourself and look at yourself, mm-hmm. you'll start seeing a lot of people. Like, I started seeing a lot of people were, like, manipulating me and doing me wrong. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a book about manipulation and things of that nature. But if you look at it yeah. as far as your life, you'll start seeing a lot. And you'll yeah. let a lot of people go out of yeah. your life just by reading the laws of power. I agree mm-hmm. with you. I think I think you're right on that. That's a good analogy for that because – um, whenever, and, and you guys out there who are listening to this, feel free to uh, let us know what you think about this stuff and write down some of this stuff if you need to and smash the thumbs ups. When you listen to the laws of power, and I actually listened to the, there was a, a version based off of uh, 50 Cent. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if you ever, yeah. if you ever caught up he, to that he, one. He, he hmm? was with Mr. He wrote the 50th law of power, didn't he? Um, yeah, it's some. It, is that what it's called? Maybe it's called the fiftieth law, but it's 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 based it's loosely based on the uh, on that. But fifty brings it from his point of view, as like someone mm-hmm. growing up in the streets. But either one that you listen to, especially the original one, you're gonna think, okay, this sounds a lot like things you do to manipulate people, and it might make you mad when you read it. But then I think, like you said, David, you start realizing, you know, there's people doing this stuff. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of that in there that I that when I when I listen to that and when I read it, I think, man, I don't want to manipulate people out there. But then you start realizing there are people manipulating people, and you're probably yeah. the person getting manipulated. <laughs> yeah, and that, when I read it, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to manipulate people, but I just want to see. And I started like, because I've read it like three times, three or four times, mm-hmm. and I started seeing how people were manipulating me, even if they didn't know it, mm-hmm. even if they did didn't know that they were manipulating me it was like dude that's manipulation you know mm-hmm. what i mean uh, mm-hmm. so i i started like letting a lot of people go on account of um 
things like that, you know, not mm-hmm. not just haters, but people that were I found out a lot of people were doing it purposely. Mm-hmm. Um, like you never ask someone who's who who will benefit off of you any advice on business mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. their advice is going to be for them to benefit off of. So you mm-hmm. it's better for you to walk and ask the total stranger. Mm-hmm. At least they're going to give you a real, real um, answer back. So yeah. just things like that. And I started noticing how people were using me and manipulating me and I just I had to let them go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the art of war um, does touch on a little bit of that as well. If you yeah. do you mind just centering a little bit whenever I go to three people? Yeah, yeah I don't want to get you cut off there. There you go. And by the way, Armament and Axis says that uh, who moved my cheese? 94 pages. Yep. So, 94 pages. Yeah, I don't care how many pages it is. If it's good, I'll read it. It's a great book, and I think it's the kind of thing that you read over and over again. I make my kids read it. (laughs) Uh, My wife, Lola, you know, I bring it up all the time. It's really one of those books that I've found. There's some things in life you have to keep going back to because Mm -hmm. human beings, I think we tend to forget things. Yeah. So even the 50 laws of power and all these kinds of things, and I know people... Some people don't think it's important. Um, one, it's really important to keep motivating yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's, for example, I think that's what the Bible is. You know, and I think yeah. religion is discipline, and the Bible is a self-help book. <laughs> it's a motivational book. You know, and mm-hmm. there's other things like that that you can use. Um, yeah. And but you need to keep going back to these things. You need to keep reminding yourself uh, of these yep. things. Sometimes we get weak. You know, like we like we're doing well. And we think we have everything handled and we're going and then something comes out of nowhere and smacks us upside the head and, and our head's spinning and we really don't know what to do. Find find that guidance outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, for me, the Bible was a big motivation for me because it's um, like, I mean, I'm religious, but I'm not mm-hmm. like, you know, get into church and shout religious, you know, that I type understand. of thing. Yeah. I, I, believe, I believe in God and Jesus mm-hmm. and stuff. Like that. But like the Bible for me lets you know that no matter how broke you are, you can still be a usable. You can still be used in a positive manner, mm-hmm. yep. you know, because if, if you go through just about everybody in there was kind of broken in one way. Like I, mm-hmm. my favorite story, because I'm, my name is David, is mm-hmm. David in the Bible. And if you think about it, mm-hmm. he took a man's wife, then had the man killed. <laughs> you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the Bible says he was the man after God's own heart. And it turns out he was Solomon's uh, seed. And through that seed came Jesus. You know, that was Solomon. So it's like. You can be used no matter how broken you are mm-hmm. or how broken you think you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely. True. Yes, I would agree with that. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know if people, I don't know if anyone has any questions here. Rolando, I'm just stopping to make sure. Um, so you, you got into a lot of these, uh, you you know, I'm, I'm assuming you've been reading these books throughout um, and you were building, were you, were you working? Like, did you have another job and you were trying to build up the business? How did that go? So I was working a job and I was working on the business at night. So I would, I would get off of work cause we farm. So farming is late. You know, you mm-hmm. might work two or three in the morning, but most of the time we got off around 10 o'clock at night and then I would work on the business until three in the morning and I was back up again at seven o'clock wow. the next day mm-hmm. going back to work. And I used the, my job to pay the bills and furnish the work. And then so my wife was working, too, and she was kind of saving her money and anywhere I needed help, she would put in anywhere I needed help. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a struggle to to get it off the ground. That's why, like I tell my kids, you don't have any bills right now. Go out there and grind and, and start something mm-hmm. because 
or you don't have the bills because like me, I had the house payment, you know, you got your, your all your bills and stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You ha- I had to have a job to keep going. And it mm-hmm. was, it was frustrating. Sometimes mm-hmm. you felt like giving up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you felt like quitting, but you just got to keep going because yeah. I could see the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When was the, uh, when was the moment that you felt like it finally, it finally worked out and that you finally felt like, man, it, this was worth it. Uh, even though you always had the motivation, when was it that you felt like you, you're really, it's, it's coming, it's paying off. When Black Rambo called me. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Black, yeah. When Black, cause I, I reached out to him on Instagram and we went back and forth a little bit. And he said like at one point in time that he didn't, he, he thought I was just building him a custom gun. And I was like, nah, dude, we're going to do this thing complete. And then, so he called me and, um, me and him started conversing and we started talking. We kind of got on Skype a little bit or through Instagram rather. And, um, mm-hmm. we got to talking about it and then, uh, it took us a minute to get to the point to where we could. And then I showed it to him and he was like, man, this is amazing. And then it was just like, from that moment on, I knew it was, we were going up. Mm-hmm. And then one day he was on a live and Killer Mike came up on his live mm. and he called me and he's like, Hey dude, Mike wants to holler at you. I was like, dude, are you serious? Don't, don't play with me like that. <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm serious. So that's awesome. I started, yeah, I started talking to Mike, man. And he is like, you'd be surprised how down to earth people are mm-hmm. when you actually, you look at them and like, they're famous and stuff. And he calls me, he's like, what's happening, man? You know, they're just like mm-hmm. cool as hell. I was like, yep. Well, if someone if someone is a genuine like one of the things and, you know, so if we're having the killer Mike conversation, obviously, as gun guys, you know, there's all these different things that we can go into. But one of the first of all, you know, run the jewels is like I'm old. I'm old. I'm old school, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, so run the jewels, man. I I love that group. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. awesome yeah without, without yeah, a doubt are. so he's a great rapper killer mike's been around a long time but if you if you listen to him there's things i disagree with but when it comes to guns i feel like that's a genuine gun guy that's like mm-hmm. ge- that's a generational gun guy even yeah you know because when when i first started like i had um I, I knew you had to get your name out mm-hmm. and so i got i had one person that was an ambassador for me um and so she was, she was like, yeah, I'm ambassador for you. And she was smaller. Like I was, we were mm-hmm. both small and mm-hmm. her name is Jacqueline J Miller. Mm-hmm. And so like, um, she was like, I'll shout you out. And so she, I sent her some stuff. She started shouting mm-hmm. me out and I was like, okay, we're going, we finally got us an ambassador, you mm-hmm. know, even though they're small, like I was or whatever, or I am. Or whatever. And then, um, it kind of grew from there. And now, you know, we're, we're like, uh, we got Jay Miller, we got, mm-hmm. um, you know, Killer Mike is pretty. I talked mm-hmm. to him and mm-hmm. Rat Graham talked to him, and then um, uh, quite a few other. Liberty Austin, uh, she's an ambassador for us now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we kind of talked to quite a few. And I got a couple of other ambassadors that are uh, getting in the works with me, but we're waiting because we got an energy drink coming out. So oh, oh boy, it seems like it, big things. Uh, big things are popping off for you. Yeah, so yeah we got cool. the energy drink coming out. Okay, sweet. Uh, before we get into the big stuff, I want to go back a little bit here. I think it's really interesting you being, um, a, 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 I don't know how to put it, a smaller manufacturer trying to, you know, claim your make your uh, your claim in in the gun industry. Um, like exactly, how did you come up on that idea of reaching out to someone like Black Rambo? I'm not sure how big he was at that point. 
you know, oh, and, he was, and if, whether or not that made a difference in it. Was he was he like really really big already at that point? Yeah, he was over six hundred thousand followers on um, Instagram, and mm-hmm. I reached out to quite a few people. Okay, he was the first one that got back to me, mm-hmm. and when. Once he got back to me, I was like, I deleted all everything else. I was like, hey, I got this. Right, me and him was going to yeah. work together. Uh-huh. Because night before, I'm going to be honest with you, the night before, I felt like giving up. Wow. I was like, oh, it's, it's too hard. And I said a prayer, and I just asked God to open doors. Because mm-hmm. like I said, I don't pray for material things. I pray mm-hmm. for things that I can do myself. Mm-hmm. So I prayed for God to open doors, and the next day, Rambo hit me up. I was like, That's oh, amazing. man. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I to me, I feel I think it's a good thing to hear that and people listening. This is kind of like a tough game. Right. And you're on the manufacturing side, uh, myself and Rolando mm-hmm. and maybe even some of the folks out there. We're on the I don't know how you put it. We're on the content creator side or something like that. And it's a tough relationship. I think there are a lot of bigger companies out there that it's very difficult to deal with because they're bigger companies. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and I always tell people try to deal with smaller companies, you know, because or or try to be in a situation where everyone mutually respects the other person, you know, because right. if you're if you're a big company and I get it, if you're a big company and people already know your name, someone coming along, even if they're a big influencer, what is that really going to do for you? How can you even quantify that? But if you're a smaller manufacturer, and even if you're a smaller content creator, even if you're not someone as big as Black Rambo was at that time or is now, you can both help each other, you know, you can both help each other grow from that point. And sometimes it just helps to be able to to talk and deal with each other where everyone's feeling the mutual love or, or flow of things. And it's not just, oh, I'm giving this guy a free gun or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, so like talking with Black Ramble though, like, um, like after a minute, me and him got like where he would call me, like to know his, him personally was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No one person. So even if if it does didn't go where it went, mm-hmm. just to, personally was a gain for me. It was a plus mm-hmm. because like I got to learn from him and and understand. He understands like stuff that I go through. I understand mm-hmm. what he goes. It's mm-hmm. like a, a bond friendship there. So even if nothing happens from here on out, mm-hmm. I still got, I got like a brother forever. Awesome. You know, and that's awesome. what, can, what can you tell us? What can you tell us about him? So let's say people out there don't know that much about him. I personally don't other than, you know, he's this guy, he's out there. He makes videos about guns. You know, I've, uh, I've run into him. I think the last time I saw him was at SHOT Show. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So what what you know the folks out there what do they need to know about? I believe he's a marine, right? That's yep. He's that's something a prior, else I think I know. Yeah, marine. Uh, he went. He was over in Iraq, I believe Iraq or Afghanistan, one of the two. But I think it was Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh he's like very down to earth. Like he is like it's like the cousin you go home with at the cookout and chill with and talk to. That's the mm-hmm. type of dude he is. Mm-hmm. He's got his own nine uh, millimeter ammo. He's got his own firearms ammo. Um, mm-hmm. Black Rambo ammo. And it's good ammo. I got a couple of cases from him, and I I gave a few of them away to like some of our um, investors. Mm-hmm. That's a, another key thing too when you get into business is investors. Okay. I gave some of them away to our investors, and I shot some of them, and they're amazing, man. And like he 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 came up too. I mean, you know, because mm-hmm. he's from Louisiana, he's from you know backwoods. He it was it was a struggle at one point in time for him to come up for sure from 
understand. You know, everybody yeah. has a struggle to come up, you know, but yeah. he's got, like I said, he's got some of the best ammo on the market right now. So check out Black Rambo ammo. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has to start at zero. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he was doing before he started. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm, uh, I hate to interrupt you. Do you mind just a little bit moving over just a little bit so we're not, yeah, I want the people, if you can, yeah, move your chair. There you go. You're in the center. Sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't know if he came straight out of the Marines and got into getting on YouTube or if he was doing, I don't know if he was doing anything else, if he was doing maybe hip hop or something like that. I have no idea. I don't want to even make assumptions about what he was getting uh, up to, but everyone starts at zero. Yeah. Yeah. He was a rapper too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he rapped. Uh, I saw some videos and stuff for him. He was rapping with like Kevin Gates and them. Like, okay. yeah, he was a rapper. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got his own music out and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, he he's he's an entrepreneur. He's mm-hmm. an entrepreneur for real. Mm-hmm. You know. So he was motivation. And like for me, mm-hmm. um, being in the gun world, in the manufacturing side of it, mm-hmm. as a minority, was mm-hmm. like, as a minority, I believe is what made it hard. Because people mm-hmm. look at you, oh man, you made that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And some people look, some people look at you like, for the most part, we have a lot of people you know, that are there for us and a lot of people support us. Mm-hmm. But then you have your haters and it seems like a hater's words go a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, the negative negative influence about a person goes a long way compared to a positive thing that you say about mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. So, but I just don't let it bother me anymore. I just kind of go with the flow. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the only uh, minority-owned manufacturing companies in the nation. Mm-hmm. So you name, you name one that's owned by a minority. Um, uh, that has any kind of uh, size? I don't know. I mean, I know, I know there's people, I know there are people of color that are, um, that have their own guns and stuff like that. Like you said, Black Rambo, I think Coleo Noir does. I know that Kevin Dixie does, but yeah, those Argo are all J. dealing with, yeah, Argo, Argo has something, but those are people all dealing with, uh, manufacturers, right? So much the yeah. same as, um, as Black Rambo dealing, dealing with you as a manufacturer, but I'm not sure. Maybe someone out there could tell me, I don't know who we could. Uh, how about you, Rolando? You know I mean? So <laughs> there's few, yeah. few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of you're coming into a world that's that's really not your world. Mm-hmm. Is the uh, is the Black Rambo rifle going to be a limited run, or is it going to be a line that you're going to have for a while, or how are you doing it? We do have a limited run of them that are a hundred apiece. The first forty okay. we were a hundred apiece, um, and then we have a line that's coming out that we're just going to sell. Um, mm-hmm. It's going standard black rambo rifles mm-hmm. so okay. those but the limited edition ones we only had a hundred of those piece okay. so as it stands right now how big is your manufacturing do you have you've got a standalone building yeah we got a standalone building okay. and we got uh, we got people that work with us and okay. work for us yeah well we, i say work with me i'd okay. rather say work with me oh, okay so, so you don't do you don't do everything in-house we do everything in-house Except for our handguards and barrels, of course. Okay. Like our barrels. And we use Call Valley Precision uh, muzzle brakes. Okay. And we use uh, Elfman triggers. Elfman, very um, good triggers. And triggers. Yes. And then the SB3 tactical brace. So the upper okay. lower, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you every, just about everything that come on any firearm is outsourced anyway. So. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Um, So. What, uh, what barrel lengths are they? Yeah. Or do you have different? Uh, we, we do everything from 8-inch all the way out to 20-inch barrels So cool. yeah, on AR platform. Oh, okay. So here's the question I would like to know. How many CNC machines do you have? 
Oh, me? Yeah. Uh, we have one, but it's easier to outsource it. Oh, That's okay. the honest. Okay. It's easier mm-hmm. to outsource it. So, like, if I'm backed up, mm-hmm. then we'll push, we'll try to push some out. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we outsource everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Another, yeah. it's another key thing I learned about business is um, I don't want to make this sound bad, but it's better to pay someone else to do it mm-hmm. than it is to do it for yourself because then you have time to do other things. Because mm-hmm. I'm always, I get probably 250 phone calls a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always on the phone with somebody. Yeah. Also, if you have the facilities, so that's a building, then you have to have those machines. And you have to have people running those machines, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, paying for the electricity, everything else behind that. That's something that you have to absorb. And let's say, for example, all of a sudden what you're building or manufacturing, um, demand goes away from that. You're going to have to absorb those costs versus, you know, you could if you're if you're if you've got an agreement with someone, you have that agreement. It's limited at that. You're not stuck with those machines if you don't need them, if you bring down your production or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and right. May, maybe that gives you more uh, room, I think. From my, this is from my point of view. I'd like to hear what you think about it. But it gives you more room to come up with things because a lot of there's a lot of guys manufacturing stuff or, or they have really good ideas, but they spend too much time manufacturing those things instead of developing a prototype and having someone do most of that stuff and then getting that actual gun out yeah because like you're talking like those, these machines are like half million dollar machines you know mm-hmm. uh 250,000 somewhere in there mm-hmm. um the other thing too is like it's 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 a building process mm-hmm. so you have to in somewhere you got to start somewhere and like you you can't just start out by buying two million dollars worth of machines mm-hmm. no bank is going to give you two million dollars worth of machines without five million dollars worth of collateral mm-hmm. so you have to start somewhere and then it also uh spreads the uh throughout because we have a lot of veteran companies that we deal with mm-hmm. um we have a lot of um like our, our laser engravings and things mm-hmm. like that we have a lot of veteran companies that we outsource to okay. so it helps them too a yeah. lot of disabled veterans too mm-hmm. so it helps the it helps those guys too um you know and it brings people to them like um one of my buddies he does uh laser engraving for us so mm-hmm. we have we have the ability to do laser engraving and we have the ability to do i mean you name it we can do it mm-hmm. but we just we outsource to him because it helps him it helps us he's part of the family he grows mm-hmm. with us and it's just thing to have someone like that on your side it's just easier i mean put it like this there's a reason that everything that we have here in america is made in china yeah it's easier to outsource it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also more affordable, which is funny you say that. Special K says as long as it's not coming from China. But those things, you, the, the your your guns are manufactured here. They're just manufactured. All in, everything yeah. in the U.S. Yep. Yeah. Everything's in the U.S. We, yeah. we buy from all the manufacturers that deal here in the U.S. So, yeah, um, yeah it's just easier, man. It's so much easier to, yeah. to, to outsource it because, like I said, we're not at the level that, you know, mm-hmm. The Daniel's defense level yet, you know, we're not there yet. Not yet. Um, I could tell you, um, and he's not here, and I don't know if he's in the chat or anything like that, but my friend Walter always tells me this story. Like, he goes to Knob Creek all the time, right? He's a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not a big manufacturer. Mm-hmm. I would consider that they have a what you would call a cottage, uh, cottage level uh, manufacturing or mom and pop manufacturing, if you want to put it that way. But he goes hey, to... Huh? 
pretty much like me, the the smaller manufacturer. Yeah, but he um, he goes to Knob Creek every year. I've been doing that for a long time. He goes twice a year, except this year when they shut everything down. <laughs> but he tells me all the time that he remembers years ago being at Knob Creek, and he had a table, and there was this guy who came up there um, in like a broken down pickup truck, and he didn't even have like a bed cover. So his bed cover of the pickup truck was a door literally a door and the guy didn't didn't have a table and he was like hey can i use part of your table and he used to let this guy use his table and sell his stuff that was marty marty daniels daniel defense wow man that's crazy (laughs) yeah so he's always you know he's like i saw this guy had nothing and built up his company and now at shot show that's like daniel defense has you know owns a whole wall wow you know a whole big section so everyone starts at zero yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, that's just your starting point. Like for yeah. me, poverty was my starting point. Mm-hmm. So I, I just went from there, from from there, and just kept going. Mm-hmm. And uh, Knob Creek makes some good whiskey, by the way. Yeah, I don't it's the same, I don't know, if it, it, but they're like that's all I drink is Knob Creek. Oh, you do? Okay, cool, cool. I'm gonna make sure that um, if you want to, if if after this you want to come back and hang out with us, I'll make sure that next time you come on. Walter is also here because I think you guys would. Uh, I think you guys would. Yeah, that would it. be great. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd yeah. be awesome. Mm-hmm. Let me get some comments in. Dan hates you. Says Hank, this is your chance to get a Hank. He's talking about. I'm always trying to get people to make a gun and put my name on it. Um, if if David wants to sell less guns than Black Rambo, he will get into something like that. So <laughs> I, I definitely can't move as many guns as Black Rambo or whatever. Um, and uh, John Crump gave us two bucks. He says, uh, uh, Davey is my Sifu. What does Sifu mean? Uh, for him, it's more like a spiritual God. That's what oh, he says. okay. That's mm. what he's talking about. He's talking positive things and okay. telling them positive things about life. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's- yeah very cool. Very cool. Um, yes. And, and um, you know, big shout out to John Crump out there. And, and as you said already here, you did his podcast. So if... Um, yeah. Yeah. This podcast, this podcast, uh, Center Mass podcast. Um, cool. And uh, we in really, you know, talk to the skill set crew and Jason and Ben, know them real well, and okay. Marcus. Uh, yeah. Okay, like cool. all them, they're like family. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's great. Uh, let's see. Me Too on Tube says, do you only make ARs or pistols too? We make only AR platforms right now, mm-hmm. AR pistols and mm-hmm. AR 15 platforms right now is what mm-hmm. we do. Um, it's such a, um, a calling for it. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's really hard to step out into something else when you've got. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you will, mm-hmm. but right now, it's it's compressed. I mean, I'm constantly yeah. busy with the AR deals. When you're ready to do some bullpups, let me know, man. That is something I'll be very yeah. interested in. You know, uh, I don't know if you're aware, like if you're into bullpups or anything like that, but that's my that's my movement right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm bringing the, the bullpup back to America. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of them, but yeah. Still, uh, See, there yeah. you go. So you got to make there one you that you'll like the trade. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I think they're really cool. You got to make a better bullpup. Yeah, we can make them. We can make, actually, bullpups are back. They've been back for a while, but, because um, there's lots of companies making really cool bullpups. IWI has got some good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, Keltec has um, some good bullpups that's yeah. out there. So, you know, there's, and there's more than that. Uh, let me get this one, and this one's gonna. I'm gonna need to show you full screen here. Motorboater says, "What does the handguard say?" Um, it. What is that in that red AR behind David? It says pressure. Pressure. 
Okay, that's uh, is that Black Rambo's line? Yep, that's Black Rambo's line. Pressure bus pipe. That's what he says. Pressure oh. bus pipe. Yeah, that's um, that that's cool. actually that's like a Jamaican thing, like pressure bus pipes, man. That's what, yeah, that's where that I was heard that from. Pressure. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's awesome firearm, man. It's yeah. pretty cool. Is Black, him sat is Black down Rambo about. is his family or something like that from the Caribbean? I I don't know that okay. much about. I only ever hear Jamaicans saying pressure bus pipes. I've that, I mean yeah I'm from the Caribbean myself so that's the only time I, I ever hear that being said so either he he his he heard that from some friends or family members or he was looking you know one of those like uh, movies with rosters or something in it yeah I don't know of the go to the Caribbean I want to go to the Caribbean one day yeah <laughs> oh I want to read awesome. a, a Rastafarian oh you do <laughs> you yeah wait I, you want to go Rastafarian. Like, no, I just want to meet one. I oh, don't even know what one. it is, but they look so peaceful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Rastas are cool, man. Yeah, most of them are cool. I mean, listen, amongst every every kind of people, you got some. Yeah, you got some good ones. You got some bad ones. You know, but I find yeah, I find some. Rastafarians to be uh, really cool, and I grew up around a lot of them. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. So you can, you know, you don't see it, but I could. I mean, you know. I could go into some Jamaican patois if I have to. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I, I want to learn patois, man. Like, wow, go on, man. Wow, yeah. go on. What a go on. What a go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's it's fun. <laughs> like, that's what I grew up listening to, man. Uh, Bob Marley. That's like the, you know, the first stuff I listened to. So, yep. um, let's see here. Uh, Night Train says bullpups are an acquired taste. And then everyone's trying to tell us what Sifu means. Uh, Sifu's like a teacher. Your Sifu and Kung Fu is your teacher and master. Isn't that like Kung Fu Panda? I think so. That's where I heard it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I think that's where I heard it. One yeah. often meets one's destiny on the road to avoid it. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sifu, yeah, you got it. Sifu is kind of like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we, we kind of take it as a, a yeah. positive influence. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Dang. Yeah. I carry my revolver in single action. Says laugh out loud, Hank. Americans been saying that for decades. Really? Yeah. I've never, I've never heard. Maybe that's okay. That's that could be my experience. You're gonna have to show me some proof. That's all I can say to you. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've always, I've only heard Jamaicans saying pressure bus pipes. You know, so especially just like that, Americans don't say pressure bus pipes. <laughs> you know, Americans would say yeah, pressure bursts pipes. They would say it that way, right? Well, it depends <laughs> on where you're from, though. <laughs> if you yeah, hear someone yeah. say pressure bust pipes, that's like, I don't know. If, uh, the deep down south or something, okay, they might, maybe. you know, they might say it. Yeah, yeah you know. maybe. So you're going to have to show me evidence. That's like yesterday I was looking at a post. Do you know Marge Ture? I don't know if you know Marge or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Maj, he's the he's the guy that started uh, Black Guns Matter. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, 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 yeah with the dreads. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. And um, Maj, I saw yesterday, or was it last night or something? Made a post, and he's saying how um, Philly started wearing Timberlands first. I was like, what? What is happening here? How can <laughs> Phil, how can Philadelphia take credit for Timberlands? That's all New York. That's all New York City. If you. Go, if you New York, first time I saw him was like Wu Tang Clan. Exactly. I don't know what he's talking about. If you mm-hmm. Google it, 
you will see if you literally go to the Google. Wait, hold on a second. I'm gonna do this right now while we're. You're, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to call Maj out on this one. I did. I called him out, but he. Ignored oh, you did. It. He ignored it. <laughs> yeah, I did call him out, but he ignored it, and then I kind of said something bad about Philly cheesesteak, so a lot of people got mad at me. Ooh. <laughs> uh, let me do Big, this. Who started that, where? That, that's a surefire way to cause a conflict in Philly. Yeah. Yeah, who started where? Uh, who? No, let me see. Who made Timberlands? Who made Timberlands? Uh, I, Timberlands. I gotta make sure I spell that right. Popular. There we go. It's a good thing there's an auto spell. Do 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 do. Let's see. Sydney Swartz introduced by Sydney Swartz in 1973. They were hard-wearing boot that was built to last. But when, but then woke New Yorkers started wearing them and they, who wrote this? Woke New Yorkers <laughs> started wearing them in the 80s to keep their toes cozy through harsh winters. Soon they became popular with hip hop artists in the city too. Okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to take that, but I don't, like, who wrote this thing, woke New Yorkers? Probably somebody, they just changed it over the years. Yeah, no one in, in New York in the 80s, which I know for a fact because I was there, used that word woke. Mm-hmm. So, um, and DC2 Megaboo says, uh, Maj is crazy with that one. Timberlands was a New York Boston thing. No, you can't take, Boston can't take that either. Yeah, they, DC2. they yeah. probably use the woke in the reference to someone like KRS One or something, you know, on their that intellectual level. Um, maybe, uh, maybe it's because everybody nowadays that uses them is woke. Yeah, I guess that's why everyone, yeah, uses that. Because um, they were raving that Kamala was wearing, she's like, oh, Kamala's bringing back Timberlands. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Kamala? Seriously? <laughs> oh, Lola says, DC2 Megaboost, I agree. He's going to have to miss us with that one. Oh, using Maj's own words. Yeah. Miss us. <laughs> miss me with that. Okay, if we keep going, Maj is actually going to uh, hear about that. And at if some you point, say his he's... name like three times, he'll just appear out of nowhere. Yeah, he's like Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's back it off a little bit. But New York started Timberlands. Let's just go. Let's just make that known. I've been wearing that. I've got I've got like Timberlands in my house, and I live in Florida. I've got Timberlands in my closet that I never took out of the box. That I do. I actually have some too that I've never yeah. wore. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, like for me, I mean, nothing against Philly or anything, uh -huh. but when I like Timberlands, that's what I think of uh, Wu Tang Clan, Nas. Yeah. Nas. Yeah. That's that's way back. I don't know how Philly got that. Back then, Phillies were wearing what were they wearing? Loafers or something like that? <laughs> Flip flops? I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you know what's funny? I should have never said the thing about Philly cheesesteaks when I when I replied, but I think it was late at night. You know, so it did. That was, that was uncalled for. <laughs> uncalled for. <laughs> yeah. So okay, we're digressing. We're digressing here. <laughs> we're digressing. Uh, let's see. Armsman says Tim's were made infamous by New York Project Hoods and hip hop videos. Yeah, even you know what's funny? Even my kids, which they mostly grew up here in um, in Florida. Now, one of them was conceived in Bed Stuy, Brooklyn, but that's a whole other story. And they were both born in Jersey, but they wear Tim's in Florida. So even here in Florida, I wear. I used to wear them more. I don't wear them as much now, but I refuse to wear flip flops. No, I don't do that either. Yeah, which a lot of Florida people I mean, do. 
Mm-hmm. It depend. I don't wear like the flip flops with the string in between the toe thing. I, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't wear those. But, like I'll wear the ones that go across the top. I don't know what you yeah, sliders. Like, uh, yeah. What is that? Chilling around the house. Yeah. What is that called? With the um. Not the toe. Thong, well, the th- the toe ones are the thong sandals. Yeah. I guess you just call them like regular sandals. Uh, I guess. Yeah, there's like you thicker ones. Of, That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wear the ones that stick across the top, like the Nike yeah. or stuff. Kids yeah. is all Jordan. That's all my kids wear is Jordan. It's like oh, open-toed really? slippers, almost. I guess yeah. is what you call them. Yeah, I don't know. Um, old dog says Tim's are the only shoes he buys in Tennessee. Um, that is uh, what was I? I was gonna say something about. Uh, I was going to say, oh, you know what? I actually know some gun guys who go to the range in uh, those, uh, what do you call them? Those thong uh, slipper, slippers. Dude, I, I've seen I've seen guys that like shooting steel Yeah. Uh, in like flip-flops. And, yeah. and Are you talking about Richard like Hughes? Because I've seen no. Richard Hughes doing it. Yeah. No, there's there's a guy down here at the local <laughs> club. He's one of the, I, he might be one of the masters or grandmasters. So maybe he is, but he just looks like, he looks like a hippie. He just walks out there yeah. with his sunglasses and flip flops and shorts, and he goes out there and smokes everybody with the 2011. Yeah, I'm just like, who is this guy? Fight, <laughs> <laughs> man. Train how you fight. Yeah, yeah. he's hardcore. He's yeah. He's like, I could be at the beach, man, and I gotta be ready. Yeah, that's that, true. That's I like. I didn't a, think of it that way. That's a certain thing with certain people. Like, yep. so this, so I don't wear shorts. It's a mm-hmm. very rare occasion. Lola has to make me. She buys shorts all the time because we're in Florida. I don't wear shorts. Yeah. You know, but if you grew up in, if, uh, like, especially here in Florida, people, I guess, who grew up a lot on the beach, um, I have a friend that, you know, he could be in North Dakota and he'll have shorts on. Mm-hmm. In the I winter. doubt it. Huh? <laughs> I doubt it. No, doubt I've it. seen him. I've seen him. He's crazy. I, one time I was like, dude, do you have any actual regular pants? And he said, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> if something comes up and I have to wear full-length pants, I have to go to the store and buy that. So it's just one of those it's just one of those weird things, right? Like I don't think guys should even show their toes. No. Yeah, that's for the ladies. Not outside, no, yeah. not outside your house. No. Yeah, dudes no. aren't supposed to be that. I'm not saying don't take care of your toes. Take, you know, clip your toenails or whatever. <laughs> dudes are not supposed to be showing off their toenails and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we somehow we got we went down a wrong path here. Uh, <laughs> Start off with shoes and Maj. <laughs> yeah, motorboater says Brandon Herrera wears tactical flip flops. He's that guy. He seems like yeah. He he's the kind of guy that would do that. Yeah, he's that guy. He also doesn't like uh, bullpups, so that's another no? thing right there. Man, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought he was I thought he was kind of cool when I met him, but now I don't know. I'm gonna have to yeah, reconsider. He everything. No, he doesn't like bullpups. <laughs> Only an AK guy. Only an AK guy. Are you what? Let's. Uh, that's this is a good way to segue back into some gun stuff. Um, how do you feel about how do you feel about uh, AKs, David? Ishnikov. I love them, okay. um, but I, I don't. I won't carry one. I just don't. I don't know. I love. I love the way they look. Mm-hmm. I just. I've never been one to carry one. It's like revolvers. I love revolvers. Mm-hmm. I got a collection of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've maybe fired one of them. Uh, nothing wrong with it. I think mm-hmm. it's awesome awesome gun but i just don't okay. i don't care it's the ar-15 guy you know mm-hmm. okay yep. so in terms of so just to get back to like what you do as a manufacturer um i think we were talking about how you started the company i don't know if we came up to fully like what do you i think we did we covered a little bit of what you guys are doing right now 
Um, what, what do you see in the future? And would you go into things like that? Would you build AKs? I see there's more um, manufacturers here making AKs here. Yeah, you know, my what kind of stuff do you guys want to get into? My motivation is for down the barrel to be a household name. Mm-hmm. It's so like when you when you talk about firearms, you talk about us. That's my motivation. So I kind of want to dib and dab into everything. I want to be, able, but I, I want to, because you you take one thing and you build it all the way to uh, the highest possible way, and then go exceed that, and then you start with something else. Mm-hmm. So we'll be we're in the AR-15 now, and then we'll be in the AR-10, and then we'll move to the 1911 style pistol. That'll be the third thing that we're doing. Okay style pistol and then we'll go from there um ak's and ar uh you know i don't know if we call them ak's but we'll call them something you know okay so close. so more than likely you're saying the first so the first handguns are going to be 1911s 1911s yep oh, okay how soon are you guys getting into that uh we're trying to do it by the end of the year uh beginning of next year that's what oh, wow. the goal is okay uh, just that you know it's it's uh 1911s are a big market, but the the market form is competition. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants a competition, and the thing you got to look at too is like you know your cost versus your sale, and you know your profit margin on them, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Just coming into it as a small manufacturer, so I have to build up what I have first until we can get to be a household name mm-hmm. for everyone, mm-hmm. and then come to it like, oh man, down the road is coming out with their own 1911. Mm-hmm. So. It's a building process. Everything's a building process for us. Do you know if you do you know if you want to go more into the boutique style 1911 or like you said competition 1911s or or like classic style GI and and kind of work from there. I want to go into uh, the something that you'll carry. Okay. Something that you'll carry. Something that you'll when you put it in your hand, you're like, damn, I like this. Mm -hmm. Like for. I'm a I'm a Glock fanboy, so like all I carry is Glock. That's it. All I shoot, everything is Glock, 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 Glock. I got numerous Glocks, mm-hmm. you know, hidden around my home and stuff. But like mm-hmm. um, the first my buddy brought his Kimber over to me, and when I held it, I was like, oh shit, like this is amazing, you know what I mean? And what got me thinking into the 1911 platform? Okay. I I think I think a lot of people make fun of them uh, nowadays, especially younger guys, and I don't know why. I've I've got one right here. <laughs> and, and and I love it. That one that one's nine millimeter. It's just a Ruger, but it, it's just I, I feel like they're they're so natural to to shoot. They're yeah. just such a great gun to shoot and I love it. Like I I it's like you said, it's not that's not a gun I would carry, but when I go to the range, it's my favorite handgun to shoot. Just because there's something about about nineteen elevens that just feels good. Like you can put that in any time that I take a first time shooter out and I give them a nineteen eleven, they just drill it really easily compared to any other gun for some reason mm-hmm. so i just think it's a pretty natural it's just a natural pistol to use yeah 1911 is like a a good gun to use for like you know the carry in the shoulder yeah. holster, mm-hmm. like and where you want to look good where you're going like you got a yeah. suit on mm-hmm. when you take yeah. it off people are like damn that's a nice yeah. gun you know yeah you, that's you're, nice- you're rocking a nice leather holster or something like that you know yeah, it's like a barbecue gun yeah nice yeah. Re- leather rig yeah. for it absolutely uh, I think, you know, I think what the thing is for a lot of folks nowadays with 1911s and even ARs is that there's so many of them, right? We got to a point where everyone's making an AR, everyone's making a 1911, everyone says we're doing this different, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. changing the game, um, but it's not to knock them. I mean, 
uh, we were talking about this the other night with uh, Military Arms Channel. That the, what rifle out there is better than the AR-15? I mean, you know, yeah, overall, it's been around for a long time. It's done a lot. Yeah. Overall, think, to yeah. me, nothing. Yeah, I mean, AK guys are going to get crazy right now. No, but it's the modularity that that's the difference. Like the AK is a great platform is like a singular platform, but the AR-15 can basically be anything that you want. Mm -hmm. You can have a pistol, uh, you can get a piston pistol AR that can be your, your everyday carry essentially in a backpack to, you got a 20 incher that you can, you know, chamber in and you can get six, five Creed more like AR-10s mm -hmm. now and use them to shoot almost PRS. It's so easy to adapt. You're just looking yeah. at your magwell, maybe, maybe, mm -hmm. and your and your barrel, yep. and you could adapt yeah. that whole platform. And you can build the uh, the Grendels right on the AR-15 yeah. platform. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. mm -hmm. There's a lot. There's 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 probably what twenty or thirty different calibers you can build on the AR platform. Yeah. So it's not just five five six. It's it's a lot of calibers you can build on them. Yeah, and people and people say the AKs are simple. I think that ARs are just as simple, if not even more so. Um, you know, folks say that, oh, well, you know, AK can run really dirty. I myself have tested that. That's not actually true. Mm -hmm. um, it's more difficult. It's easier to get an AK, to get stuff inside of an AK, more difficult to get stuff inside of an AR. You can, you can stop up either one of those guns. But it's, you, you know, especially depending on what happens, it's a lot easier to get that AR back running. I think it just comes from the reputation that AKs are everywhere in the entire world and everyone uses them. So people have seen them run in every condition, mm -hmm. whereas ARs are, I mean, they're, they're ubiquitous in the West, mm -hmm. but, but I mean, it's got the combat experience. Yeah. I feel like sometimes even to this day, people go back to like the M16s when they first came out in Vietnam and that still, people still reference that. I was like, no, a modern AR platform is totally different. It's a much better gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, go ahead. the AR platform to me is like, um, like we put sand in ours when we test farm, we'll put sand in them, we'll test farm mm -hmm. through that way. We do mud sand. We actually throw them in a big mud hole and like walk on top of them and that type of deal. Mm -hmm. And, um, any gun, any firearm, no matter what it is, there's a stopping point to it. Mm -hmm. If you do it, do it. And mm -hmm. I tell people, they're like, you know, how does it run with sand in it? That's what the dust covers for. Mm -hmm. I mean, just close down mm -hmm. dust cover. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you just douse it in a little bit of water. It's a simple concept, you know, charging handle, bolt, um, you know, buffer tube, spring, and trigger mm -hmm. assembly. That's pretty mm -hmm. much it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can pull it out with air and mm -hmm. go right back to it with an AR-15 mm -hmm. if need. You know, pour a bottle of water over it. I mean, it's just, it's an easy platform. It's easy to break down. You ain't got shit flying everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, and put it back together and go and run. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a yeah. platform. It's not, I'm, I'm not knocking an AK either. I think it, it ultimately comes down to a preference. You can make, mm -hmm. uh, you can make AKs to a certain degree light. Um, you know, uh, you can also make ARs heavy. <laughs> you could definitely make an AR lighter if you really, really wanted to. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a performance type of deal, though. You know, you're not going to get the same performance out of it, but... I think that it's just one of these things, and, and I've, I'm already seeing people in the uh, chat going at it. Uh, I love them both, but if I had to choose one, I would take the AR. Mm -hmm. I would take the AR, too, because for me, this is my personal opinion, is I mm -hmm. can hold it on target better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can hold it on target at a faster rate of fire than I can a, a, you know, an AK. Mm -hmm. Just simple. 
simple as simple as that, you know. And mm-hmm. for me, I really don't um, I know AR inside and out, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I just feel like you can hold it on target better, mm-hmm. you know. It's and it seems quicker to reload, mm-hmm. my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, depending. Look, it depends on who you are and how you do it. It's the same thing for 1911s, right? So in the 1911 world, uh, most people are very traditional and they like single stacked. I've had double stacked 1911s. I'm kind of that, you know, but a lot of guys don't consider that a 1911. But I've seen guys that uh, practice or, or compete competitively with 1911s and men. You know, you don't you don't want to mess around with those guys. They know how to reload really fast and, you know, they're accurate and all of that. It really depends on which it's a machine. And and a lot of times, just like a car or something, it comes down to who's driving it and how experienced are they with that and and Mm -hmm. what can they do with that? So would I rather have, you know, 15, 17 rounds before I have to change a magazine? Yes. I think it comes down to like cars. I, I think it's very similar to cars. It's like, of course, you 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 love the modern car that has the power steering. It can shift for you faster than you ever could. But there's nothing like, you know, driving an old school like muscle car or a car from the 50s, you know, an old school car like that that just mm-hmm. feels good. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily want it to be your daily driver. Mm-hmm. You know, when you just want to go get groceries real quick and you want to chill, you just get your pickup truck or your regular car and you go. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to go to the track, you take out, you know, your modern sports car because it's going to be faster. But yeah, but uh, here's my mm-hmm. take your take. You take a regular 1911 off the rack with nothing mm-hmm. done. To, take a Glock off the rack with nothing done to it and let a 1911 guy run both of them. Let a Glock guy run both of them. Mm-hmm. See which one you reload faster. Oh, See which yeah. one don't target more. Yep. You know what I mean? Just I mean, that's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. You ever try to quick like speed reload uh, a 1911 uh, off the rack 1911? It is a slim fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, you got a little bit more. You can get in there a little quicker. Yeah. Yep. So that's my preference to it. A quicker yeah. reload. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like, yeah, it comes down to some people. I always say that um, there's like so a guy who grew up with a 1911 his granddad or whatever had a 1911 and he was running that, you know it like the back of your hand, right? You know, um, and then if you try to go over to a Glock, that angle, it's almost like your hand is maimed now for a Glock and you hate a Glock. But for me personally, just because I didn't, and I did when I started, when I really started doing this, I tried to go the 1911 route, but really Glocks were like, you know, or that kind of handgun worked the best for me. So I would agree with that. Just, but that's because I didn't have that uh, beaten into me as a child, <laughs> mm-hmm. like some of the gun guys did out there when it comes to 1911s. But because they had that, it's very natural for them. Whereas yep. for me, I feel like the Glock is the most natural. Yeah, that's that's for me too. And yeah. like we had the, in the army, we had the M92 Berettas. You know. <laughs> The lock was just more natural to me. Mm-hmm. I just like mm-hmm. it quick reload, and like I, I also like I carry a. I know it sounds crazy, but I carry a revolver for mm-hmm. a backup mm-hmm. in case. Because like my revolvers for you know press contact. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's just a uh, because you, you nineteen eleven Glocks and those you really can't do a press contact if you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. Nope. So mm-hmm. yeah, chance happens. 
Yeah, it could go uh, out of battery really easy. I think you're you're saying right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Even That's even if you're here. wearing yeah, even if uh, like where you are, you're wearing heavy jackets and things like that. You can keep a revolver in your pocket mm -hmm. uh, if you need to, and you know you go into your car. Somebody comes up behind you, you could shoot right through without any issue too, and mm -hmm. it's not going to get caught up a lot of times, especially yeah. if you have a hammerless um, or bobbed hammer or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Jen Champ Jr. says, I'm still waiting for 1911 with the Glock 18 features. Just saying. <laughs> I want to try out the, uh, that's uh, what what's the CZ hybrid called? I forgot what that one is. That It's basically like a 1911. It's a 1911, I guess you could say upper or slide with like a CZ, a CZ grip and it's a double stack. I forgot what that was called. Uh, uh, somebody in the chat probably knows. Yeah, one of those CZ aficionados out there. It, it just looked Love. cool. It's not because it's a CZ, it was just because mm -hmm. I was like, man, that's like, that's nice. It's not, mm -hmm. it's a, another double stack that's not a 2011. Yeah. Um, okay, so. so let me, let me uh, switch a little bit here. This is a question from our buddy, John Crump. He says, ask about Killer Mike. So. Tell us the uh, Killer Mike story and how Killer Mike came into to uh, play with with what you're doing with uh, Down the Barrel. So, like I said, uh, Rambo was on a um, live one time and Mike came up and then a few minutes later, Rambo messaged me and he was like, hey, man, Mike wants to talk to you. And I was like, Killer Mike. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, dude, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So um, I said, well, give him my number. You know what I mean? And uh, so he called me. And when he called me, I was like, I was like, you know, you know, just hello, how you doing, whatever, whatever. And he was like, yo, man, this is uh, Mike. And I was like, killer Mike. He was like, yeah. And then I immediately went into like fanboy status. I was like, man, you're a big influence. Yada, yada, yada. And he was like, calm down, calm down. You know, he's like, it's, <laughs> and then so we got to talking and, you know, we got to talking about he wanted he wanted a black Rambo rifle. And mm -hmm. um, pretty soon we got to like messaging each other and, you know, mm -hmm. talking about. So he he's an influence as far as business and things go too, mm -hmm. and then he'd call me and you know I text him and say hey man I got a quick question to ask and he would call me and stuff and it's like he's like really down to earth and really really super knowledgeable mm -hmm. when it comes to like it, just about anything in the world that you can see because he's been in the industry he's been on this side he's been on that side so mm -hmm. I mean very intelligent guy man very intelligent so shout out to him man he's mm -hmm. a real good dude I sent him one. You know, he did his, he did a video on it and he called me. He's like, man, I'm going to do some video shooting it. He's like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's he's busy. If you notice right now, he's like constantly busy. So yeah. for him to call me when in the middle of him being busy is amazing because like mm -hmm. he was doing like a photo shoots and videos and stuff while me and him were talking mm -hmm. on the phone. It just shows you how down to earth he is, how laid yeah. back he is. So he's dude. And I believe in the last couple of years, the profile has really gone up for a couple of reasons. You know, um, I, I'm going to say definitely the music, um, also some politics, you know, mixed into that. A little bit of both. Um, they do a lot of really cool soundtrack stuff and all that. Obviously, Run the Jewels puts, I think they just put out an album. Yeah. yeah. They're, al they're always in stuff. I was playing. Yeah. Um, I was playing a video game the other day and Joe was like, what are you? What what game is that? I was like, I don't know. She's like, that's Run the Jewels. Like, I can tell that yeah. beat from a mile away. And it's uh -huh. like we looked up, and it's like they did a custom beat for this random video oh, game wow. because yeah. because the company is in Atlanta too. So mm -hmm. I guess they collaborated with them or yeah. something. I was like, wow, that's crazy. So he's yeah. he's everywhere. Yeah, and it's amazing that like they're like okay. So like 
like I heard 50 Cent say one time, he said, in order for music to sell in this generation, you have to dumb it down. And if you listen to music, a lot of it is dumbed down. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty much one in two lines with a bunch of oohs and ahs, and you really don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And then you get you get guys like, you know, um, um, you know Jay-Z, Eminem, you got Logic, you got guys like that, Killer Mike, that actually you have to listen to their verses mm -hmm. in order to understand what they're saying. And Run the Jewels actually puts a good beat behind the verses, and it just mm -hmm. makes it you. You can tell the real people that really listen to music and the ones that just want to jump around to a beat. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like how they bring their, it's like they're bringing back the eighties again and mm -hmm. you, and beats are awesome and yeah. the lyrics something. So mm -hmm. that's awesome as far as their deal goes. Yeah. I like the song. I don't know if it's called Ooh, uh, Ooh, La La. We, uh, yeah. you know, Ooh, mm -hmm. La La. yeah, that's from, uh, oh man, how did it, uh, nice and smooth, nice and smooth. I, mm -hmm. I know they did a. They recently did something with them that I thought I just listened to that over and over again because I mean I grew up with, yeah, you know, with nice and smooth, <laughs> and that yeah. beat was insane. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Um. And and the lyrics and all that kind of stuff. Those guys, uh, they really do go into it there. So when it comes to gun stuff, you know, there's obviously a lot of things we could talk about with Killer Mike. A lot of guys in the gun community, uh, remember, um, the whole situation that went down with him and Coleon Noir where I think they had a really good conversation and then some people got a hold of that, I guess, and, you know, got into their feelings about it. But uh, I think Kill Mike was coming from a good place. Wait, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Looks like yeah, we lost good. you there for a second. Yeah, I, I'm constantly getting people on. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know, I think that that's, that whole story a lot of people know about uh, from that point of view. But when mm -hmm. it comes to guns, what kind of stuff... What's he into gun-wise? Uh, the Black Rambo pressure. Oh, okay. <laughs> One, uh, he was he was he's he was intrigued by the um, the AR-15 style platform. Mm -hmm. As far as I I understand and I know, mm -hmm. it's the AR-15 style platform. He was just you know intrigued by it and he liked it. He loved it actually. He's like, man, it's beautiful. You know, mm -hmm. as far as the guns go for him, um, that's pretty much as our limit as far as we knew was the pressure in the AR-15 line. When I talk to him, most of the time it's about uh, biz, like learning. Because okay. I'm always trying to learn something from people mm -hmm. as far as wise goes. And he's he's awesome when it comes to it. Okay, so what kind, what kind of uh, wisdom is he dropping on you? Man, you he share some of that with us. Oh my God, he drops wisdom like unbelievably. Uh, everything that he, if you watch his videos, the things mm -hmm. that he talks about, like, I try to talk to him about, like, get me to, hey, can you explain that a little bit more detail? And so, like, he'll explain certain things to me. And, like, the other day, uh, well, I don't know if I should say it. Um, it was, <laughs> yeah, don't, okay. don't necessarily get into any trouble on our behalf. <laughs> well, no, it's not trouble. Mm -hmm. It's just uh -huh. that, like, it's certain things that we say. Like, for me, I study mm -hmm. words and where they came from. Okay. And certain things that we say, like, me and him were doing a discussion about it. And, like, um, like okay, for example, the word freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, we take it as in a certain type of word. But the actual word freedom, free, comes from the word frio, which is a European word. And it means to love. Mm -hmm. And dumb comes from the word, you know, dominatrix or whatever mm -hmm. you want. means master. Mm -hmm. So the actual freedoms mean to love your master. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like I started studying like, OK, why, well, you know, and but we, we use it in a different platform, of mm -hmm. course, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that's the word actually derived from was mm -hmm. to love your master. And mm -hmm. if you look it up, mm -hmm. you break it 
way down to the original roots. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I still use it. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. certain words I don't use mm-hmm. anymore because they have a negative influence. So, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yes, I, that's the way. That's the way I think Killer Mike's uh, brain works. You know, and uh, I think there's lots. Of, I, like, I looked at the TV show that he had. I think that was on Netflix. If I'm not Netflix, mistaken. yeah. Yeah, and it, and I thought that was interesting. I thought he made some good points in there. Um, you know, it was interesting to me when he was talking about like Black Wall Street, and he was talking about how there was a time, for example, with black people that the money stayed in the community longer before it went outside of the community, and nowadays it does. It's like, I mean, I think it, it stayed what like a month or more than that back in the days, but today it's like literally seconds, and I think that's all of us. You know, I think that's all of us as people that we don't use our um, generational wealth is what we got to build. Yeah. And even as gun guys, I think we're suffering through that same thing. You know, I think as gun people where, you know, we're on the mainstream stuff, we're on YouTube right now and we're using it, but they don't really like us, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and they're constantly doing stuff to us. I saw how recently uh, Iraq veteran got about. I think it was more than 100 of their videos just deleted by YouTube. And, you know, um, Twitter is just banning people left and right and doing all this kind of stuff. And even as a community, as gun as gun folks, we're spending a lot of money. But how, how much of that is really staying inside of the community? And then what outside control do people have? Because we don't do our own financing. So if they don't like something they're doing, they could shut us down through financing. They could shut us down on social media because we just don't have our own ecosystem. Um, I've I've even heard, uh, I think, I I don't know if other people have heard this, that mm -hmm. one of the other strategies that they want to start using now to tamp down on the Second Amendment is to start buying small gun companies up Mm -hmm. and then just basically buying them out and then either running them out of business or just closing up shop. Mm -hmm. So I heard that's the next level they want to go to, which is like, what what, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Uh, bring, if you're buying them, bring me 50 million and then we'll talk. I think the idea, the thing about it, I think what's happening there is that those guys understand how powerful the money is. Yep. Um, you know, and what they can do with it. So the thing is, is if you go out there and you buy up these companies and you own all of that intellectual IP, it's not just shutting down, okay, well, we're not going to sell guns to these people. Now you have the ability to keep those guns for yourself. Well, you or can, sell or them you to can whoever you want to. to. Yeah. yeah, you could even lobby. Like you could say, mm-hmm. like, my companies can manufacture these firearms for private or mm-hmm. government contracts, but nobody else can buy them mm-hmm. in that yeah. case. so. And that's how you get people out of it. It's the same thing with ammo. It's, it's, there's all these ways that I think that this is what money could do. Money is a tool like anything else. I mean, it's something like we're talking about words. Money is something that we fabricated. <laughs> right? Control. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, we used to do things by barter, you know, so man to man, each man had his own skill and a thing that he could do. You know, this man could raise crops. This guy could raise, uh, you know, farm animals or whatever it was, right? This guy can make stuff. This guy can make swords or shoes or whatever it is. And we could trade those things for things or barter with each other. But this this money concept um, is just a thing, especially nowadays, especially if you look at what happened with this whole COVID-19 thing and everyone's really just using electronic money. There's not a lot of change out there. The government's actually thinking... 
Uh, they've been looking at Bitcoin for a long time and don't like that. They're thinking, oh, let's find a way to make up our own money and we can control mm -hmm. it and just print this stuff. And I think there's there's folks out there who understand the power of money and it, forget about the Constitution or getting politicians to make up laws. They can get at us through that, especially if they have yep. ownership of, of gun manufacturers. It's money, money is influence and knowledge is control. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it from the other side, money is control, but knowledge is an influence. Mm -hmm. So like um, people, the, the problem with it from where I've learned about, you know, money is people don't understand it. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how to use it. They don't understand how to, to build from it. They don't understand how to make money work for them. And you got all these people saving money and saving money. I'm going to put this back in the bank for money that sits is no good to you. It's no good to you. And people don't understand that. And that's where the controlling lies is like you get it where, like, for example, banks, banks tell you to put your money in savings. Mm -hmm. Well, when it goes to savings, they make more money off of it, which mm -hmm. gives them more. Control. You mm -hmm. don't make nothing. Of mm -hmm. it. In your mind, you're thinking you're secure, but you're not. Mm -hmm. And that it took me a minute to learn that. Um, and that's the problem with like where I'm from, the people where I'm from. Everybody's into saving and nobody's into expanding. Mm -hmm. And how can you save something that you really don't have mm -hmm. you could understand how to grow a business or grow yourself out there to make more of more money so you know you're saving on the penny zero from zero is zero mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and that's the problem with it the, the reason why we don't have money in like our culture anymore is because uh no one owns businesses anymore well, and look I, at it the mm -hmm. businesses they own got destroyed yeah mm -hmm. i think i think the key is not not necessarily just the money it's the investment so a lot of people in our communities do spend the money but they don't invest it in themselves so they'll use on um, material things they'll they'll keep up with the joneses they'll show off and then the money's gone and it's not an asset that they can use to enrich themselves mm -hmm. or like you said you can spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a nice on an exotic car, or you can spend it on a CNC machine that you can actually use to make mm -hmm. money for you all over again. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between people's priorities, I think, yeah. and that's that's the real problem. They don't invest in themselves; they invest in things that make them feel good, but not necessarily that really enrich them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and like that's the thing I like about Mike is. Um, if you look, he's got nice stuff, but he's got businesses. Yep. He owns a lot of businesses. Um, and he lets people know that he owns businesses. And that's, mm -hmm. and he's a good teacher on how to grow. And like we sent one of our rifles, well, one of our pistols to uh, Derek Grace. I don't know if you know him, but he was like in Forbes for like one of the guys that makes like a million and a half a month or something. He's a businessman and he teaches about business and he teaches mm -hmm. about how to monetize everything you do. Mm -hmm. And so we just don't have enough of that. I ain't going to say we don't have enough of it. I'm going to say we don't have enough people that want to hear it. Yeah. Nobody wants to sit, save and work for a year to build something. They want something right now at this moment. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say because that's that's like your story. Your story shows that you have to work hard. Mm -hmm. I remember I was listening to one of my this YouTuber that I watched, Tim Poole. He, he basically does news and he's a journalist. And he's like, somebody asked me the other day, how did I become – like the journalist now that I am, that I own multiple companies and I have like a huge platform with like 50,000 viewers every time I go live. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's because when I first started out, I sold everything I had and I slept on people's couches to get the story that I needed. And I went all over the world 
and took reporting jobs that nobody wanted in like dangerous places. So now I can sit in a room and I can just report and I have people work for me. But I had to bust my ass and basically give up everything, and which is pretty much your story. And people don't like to hear that because they see where you are and when things are actually self-sustaining and you've established it and they're like, oh, well, it's easy. Now you're just you're reaping the benefits and they don't understand how much how many years of blood, sweat and, and tears it took to get there. Yeah. And and, yeah. and that's not the story they like to hear. Well, they don't want to nobody wants to grind and struggle to get it and, and mm-hmm. work to get the whole thing. They want the right now money or whatever. They want the right now thing. And that's what leads a lot of people in the bad side of the law in a mm-hmm. bad direction mm-hmm. is they want the right now money. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't understand about investing and how to um do simple little small investments now can be big investments later. Mm-hmm. And so like yeah, I talk to a lot of my, my friends about that. Like, what you need to do now? Like, certain things that other people don't, like, for one, um, and, I, you know, whatever, whatever. But don't, like, don't ask your boss man for um, financial advice. Because if you're, if you're a bad worker, <laughs> if you're a bad worker, he's not going to give it to you because it's not worth his time. And if you're a good worker, he don't want to lose you. Mm-hmm. Right? So ask, find someone. And j- even if you can't ask him, watch him on YouTube. You'll learn something. Mm-hmm. Review it every now, every time. Look at how the way they move, the way they mm-hmm. talk, how they move their hands when they talk. Look at every key detail because there's a detail to selling. There's a detail to making money and there's a detail to investing. Mm-hmm. You just have to look and learn from that. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things and the reason why. So for folks like, uh, I don't know, if we let's say we put ourselves in the same category. I don't know if we're there or not. But a lot of times if your parents didn't understand money. When you come into money, you don't understand it either. So you go through things, right? You do all these things. You you spend money on things. And there's a lot of things, uh, depending on who you are. I'm the kind of person I spend money on guns and cars and stuff like that, just as well as anyone else. A lot of people uh, believe the safest thing to invest in is their home. I don't, you know, this is my opinion, just over life and over time, I've come to the understanding that it's not. A lot of people wind up putting all their money into a home. They get a they get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar home, and then when they can, they go up to two fifty, and then five hundred, and then a million if they could do that. And always the home is this big expensive thing, but they're working for people. There's nothing wrong with having a million dollar home or multi millions, but if you if that's everything to you, well, that's a thing that other people control, you know, and it's a thing that feeds off of you. Um, and, and it doesn't feed you back, right? Especially if you're living in it. Maybe if it's an apartment building, it's different. So the, so what happens to a lot of us is if we don't understand those things, we, we react that way until we understand, or we never understand and we just go around uh, in, a, in a circle like that. But I think one of the things that happens to a lot of people and that I learned is that people always say to you, knowledge is power. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Like to have to just have a book, right? Even this one, I'm because I'm looking around for a book. If you have this book, this isn't power. This is just a book. This is just words. You have to read it. You have to understand it. You have to be able to apply that. And when you go out to apply that, you mess up. You make mistakes. So now you have to be able to go back and say, okay, how did I mess up? What did I do wrong here? Okay, let me try this again and fix that. And so to me, what's really power is when you take this knowledge, you actually read it, 
you actually try to apply it, you learn from your application, and so eventually you have understanding of that thing to the point where you could do it over and over again. That's mm -hmm. what becomes the power. But it takes, some of us never learn that lesson, <laughs> some of us learn it really late, and some people who are fortunate enough, someone teaches them that to them, right? You know, before they get yeah. in trouble, like you were saying with your kids, you know, that you're trying to show your kids this is a great opportunity you have to, to make mistakes and go out there and invest in things when you don't have other expenses. Yeah, I told my kids, I was like, I would, if, if, if I was your age again, I would have loved to have someone who could guide me the way that I can guide you. Mm -hmm. Because that was a, I was guided on a bunch of nonsense. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, was, it wasn't that they, they were pushing me down purposely. It was just that they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand. I mean, you know, like for us, like I said before, moving from the house with the wood heater to a mobile home was a big move. And there's nothing wrong with it if you live in a mobile. I live in mobile homes for years. Mm -hmm. But just to turn the thermostat up mm -hmm. was a big, big move for us. And that was like a small goal that we had to accomplish. Mm -hmm. But I wish I would have had bigger goals, like instead of buying a mobile home, buy the whole mobile home park. Mm -hmm. You see, just mm -hmm. big goals that I can achieve. And for me, honestly, my personal opinion is buying a home, buying a house is a, a mistake. It, it's a it's a mistake if you're if you're um trying to do something in life. Buying a house should be the last unless you can pay for it cash, mm -hmm. it's a mistake. Yeah, I buy think, a rental. Yeah, I know there's people and I'm not trying to offend anyone out there with that. I think it's like if you have your home and you're into that, that's awesome. But it depends on who you are. Like, I, I, I have these conversations a lot, especially with my wife. If you're a dude like me, <laughs> you're a risk taker. That home is just becomes a weight. There's other things that becomes weight. Let's be on. Let, you know, we can be honest about it. Like, my wife will tell you, well, your car is a weight. <laughs> you know, because yeah. I like to have a nice car and stuff like that, uh, without a doubt. But I think that what, what, it, that trap of the home becomes that. Like, Lola and I, we live in a mobile home. And we came from McMansions, you know, what mm -hmm. people call McMansions and stuff like that. Really big houses, so many rooms. We didn't even have furniture <laughs> to go in the rooms, you know. We never, like, some of those rooms we never saw. <laughs> we just didn't even go in there. And, and, then, and then I discovered, like, oh, I could buy a mobile home on a piece of land. I could own this really fast. I could do what I want to do out here. I could have peace and all of that. But the big thing is it gives me this flexibility to invest in things like this stuff that we're doing all here. This is an investment in something that when I'm sleeping, it, it pays me little tiny pennies. Most folks out there that are listening to us make more money than I do right now. But I'm creating things that maybe it's making pennies today. Sometime in the future, it makes a couple of bucks. And then that goes on and goes on from there. And it always has a value, especially because we're recording things. You know, this is like intellectual properties that we have uh, ownership over. So, but it really, all of that's the same thing. It's relative to what you're doing, David. It's relative to a lot of people out there if you're taking that risk. But yeah. if you do it with your home, I always remember this story when it comes to a home. When uh, the guy started up Apple... Like, who are the guys that started uh, Apple again? Um, Wozniak and Jobs. Yeah, Wozniak and Jobs. But do you know there was a third guy? Uh, yeah, I always forget the third yeah, guy. There was a, I, exactly. I read Jobs' I read Jobs autobiography, <laughs> uh, or not his autobiography. Exactly, his but this is, this is the thing. Yeah. There was a third guy, 
And that third guy, when they were like in there in in uh, in Wozniak's mother's garage or whatever it was, mm-hmm. that third guy was invested in Apple. He owned Apple, but he was afraid of how long it would take for Apple to become something, and he and he was scared that he would lose his house. So he told those guys to buy him out. Mm-hmm. Billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> That yeah. guy lost because he got bought out in the beginning and he was so scared of what would happen. They would take his home from him. They would do this. I'm not knocking him for it, but he he was a young guy and he's had to live for decades thinking those dudes are multi, multi-billionaires off of that risk. But he could not take that risk, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's the thing that you have to you just have to ask yourself, like, who are you? And, you know, what kind of risk do you take? And, yes, you can have a business and lose everything and have nothing. But if you learn, like I said, you could go back to the beginning, start again, do better, you know, and you can go up if you're really built for that. If I could go back again, mm-hmm. I would buy a mobile home on a small piece of land, something that I could plant a garden and maybe have some chickens or something, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, no, I'd have a mobile home with mm-hmm. a bed. Mm-hmm. And that it, I wouldn't have a couch. I'd have maybe a kitchen table, no mm-hmm. television, none of that. And I would go straight into starting a business mm-hmm. um, because everything else would be in the way. Mm-hmm. So you imagine if you just had a nice single wide on an acre of land with just a, a bed where you can go to sleep and a nice kitchen where you can eat family dinner and then everything else is outside. Because there's no reason to be in, and I just build a, yeah. build a brand. I've been trying to get Latina locked and loaded on Uh-oh. that one. I don't think she's gonna have it. No, <laughs> slowly just... but surely. But uh, but I've definitely gotten like we at least got to go with the plot of land and build something small and work from there. Not not go uh, haywire or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, this and this is not to knock mm-hmm. women and all men and all women are not the same. But I think a lot mm-hmm. of women like that security of the home. That's what means something to them. Like. You know, they want to have this home. They want to have this place to sleep and their children to be there and their family. I think that's the way Lola feels about it. <laughs> no, there she goes. She's she's in. She oh. thinks uh, tiny homes are nice, too. She just got home from work. Oh, so tiny. <laughs> my, all I says, can we get a lot of land with a tiny home? Yeah. Because my yeah. youngest son is 16. So, you know, he'll be graduating here in a couple of years. So she's like, let's just sell everything and get a tiny home with yeah. some land. And I'm like, all down for it. Because... Well, that's the time that you actually yeah. can do it. Stuff but, like uh, buy other land, buy more yeah. land. Your home, if you have a big, beautiful home, it's awesome. And depending on the market, if it's a great market, you can sell it. If the market is in any kind of trouble, the bigger that thing is and the more awesome it is, the more difficult it is to sell that thing. So even if you have a nice car, you could do something about that, <laughs> you know, and you take less of a loss. Um, I think in the situation when it comes to guns and stuff like that, and lots of things go this way. Buy low, sell high. Believe it or not, like, uh, you know, I know a lot of gun guys don't like to sell guns. When guns are high like this, I sell some guns. Oh, yeah. I look at guns that I know I'm like, this is not, because I have guns I collect and guns that I buy them because we need to do videos. We're doing this thing or that thing. Um, but when that time comes, I, if it's high right now, I sell it. If everything is low, there's things I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. And there's, but smaller things are easier and faster for you to move. When it comes to a home, um, you know, it's not so easy. You could take equity out of it and stuff like that for sure. You know, but it's so easy to do that, that a lot of people, you know, you take out the equity so you can get a nice car. (laughs) Okay. 
that doesn't necessarily well, see, do anything for you. That's the other thing about how we're taught, though, because like, OK, for example, we are taught from the time you get out of high school is mm-hmm. to go in debt. The first thing they teach you is get your credit right. That's just getting you in debt. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. we're taught to be in debt. Mm-hmm. And and that's the reason I said that I would save my money up, buy me a nice mobile home and work on my business mm-hmm. uh, with some land, grow some crop, you know, some, you know, mm-hmm. things you can get and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because you're taught to be in debt from the mm-hmm. time you leave. Because you're not taught business in high school. You're no. taught to be in debt. Yeah. You're taught to get a job. And because you think about it, school is, you know, eight to three. You be there at eight, you get out at three or two thirty mm-hmm. or whatever time. And, you know, it's basically you clock in, you do whatever you're supposed to do and you clock out. That's that's baseline for a job. Mm-hmm. So you're t- being dead, man. And I mm-hmm. just I started seeing that being in business like, oh, man, I will not teach my children that. Wasn't, so like, it, um, wasn't it Ray Kroc with McDonald's that the real re- the real genius behind McDonald's was not that it was a fast food place. It's that it allowed him to buy up so much real estate mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just because this building's a placeholder for the land that it's actually on, and that was the real investment. Yeah, so I think. Think I, about it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, real think, estate is a. I'm sorry. Let me just get this real quick because I see some people might take a thing with it. Real estate is good if you're as an investment. If you're mm-hmm. living in it and it's nice, hey, nothing wrong with that. Not knocking it. But real estate is great as an investment. A car, even even guns or whatever. Like I said, those aren't the best investments. But what's a true investment? Uh, the definition of a f- true investment is something that feeds you. It doesn't eat mm-hmm. off of you. So if you have a home, what most of us do is we buy the most home we could afford. So you're right at the limit of what you could afford. What is that doing? That's eating you. If, you, if you're going to invest in real estate, how if you bought an apartment building or something like that and there's people renting it, even if they're even if the, those people renting are paying the mortgage on that, then that thing's not eating you. And eventually it's going to feed you, right? Or when you get a couple of those, it's going to feed you. But if you're buying the nicest home you could buy and living in it, that's eating you. If you, if you buy a car, yes, that depreciates, it's eating you. Anything that you get that you can't get, if you if you get a really nice watch but you need money and you've got to take a loss, then that thing didn't really that didn't really do anything for you. That's why even though like Rolex, for example, is not the best watch in the world, but it's the number one watch in the world because if you bought it for ten grand, you're very likely to be able to sell it for that same ten grand or not that much of a loss on it versus uh, versus other things. So I think that's the definition that we all have to look at. If you're living in a home and it's not eating you, so you've got a smaller home than what you can afford, it makes it a lot easier for you to do a lot. So when people are like, how come you're doing all this stuff, Hank Strange? How can you spend all this money to have a YouTube channel and buy guns and drive a nice car if you want to drive a nice car? Because I live in a mobile home. <laughs> on six acres, which I own outright, don't have a mortgage, okay? That mobile home, my taxes are a couple of hundred bucks a year, okay. you know? So that's, that, that's the thing that I'm trying to say. It's very easy to fall into that trap like, oh, let me get a nice house, get a nicer house, get a nicer house. So, okay, I'm sorry, David. Lola's saying I cut you off. So. Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah. No, um, well, McDonald's, if you look at it like, mm-hmm. let me say this, I'll say the another thing, but McDonald's, if you think about it, they own the land, mm-hmm. you pay them to build a building, mm-hmm. I'm sure they make a off of that, mm-hmm. you buy your product from them, mm-hmm. and then 
them to use your name. Mm-hmm. They're yep. making money hand over fist. Yeah, if you look at yep. the movie that came out on that, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> it's just intelligent. Yeah. And like for mm-hmm. me, uh, our home, we, we have our home, mm-hmm. and we bought, we got like two and a half lots of land, so mm-hmm. right beside it, a building. Mm-hmm. So my house makes money, and that's where the the um, learning about money, just learn about how to use money and how to use, you know, as far as mm-hmm. like your taxes, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to make a loan, Get a loan that's going to pay you. Like, for example, if you're going to buy land, let's say you buy an acre of land and you want to get a loan. Well, get enough where you can buy some, um, what do you call it, like storage bins built on it. Mm-hmm. So now you leave out mm-hmm. storage bin and your land's paying for itself. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. brings your value up. Yeah. Because if you go to the bank, you can say, well, I own this and mm-hmm. everything, 95% of it's leased out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I mean? Then you can be able to go and make more and more moves like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to get something, a loan for something, make sure it pays you back. Yeah. The storage bins is a big one for people because mm-hmm. it's cheap. To, it's not real cheap, but it's reasonable to bring them up. And they, mm-hmm. if you can keep them well, occupied, uh, occupied area, like by a military base or something, you're going to keep 95% capacity in them all the time. Mm-hmm. So they're going to pay for Yeah. And by the so way, profit. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go back to something that we were saying, I know we all of a sudden turn into financial advisors. We're not. <laughs> we're not lawyers or doctors. But I've noticed that a lot of real wealthy guys I know pay for everything. Like they don't buy stuff with credit like that. If they do, they buy something that they know they're going to pay back as soon as that thing comes in. So like yeah. so in other words, a lot of those guys, for example, they don't with health insurance if they if something comes up they pay for that they don't have even the health insurance thing and like oh mm-hmm. it's going to be this you have to do the copay they don't even do that and if they buy something they buy like yes i could buy this thing straight up <laughs> and the and it's not to say they don't use credit but they use it for different things than we do well see most of the big guys that i've learned that they don't even really buy stuff like okay for example if they buy health care mm-hmm. you're like for me, mm-hmm. your company bought healthcare, and then you write it off. Mm-hmm. You know, little things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're going to make a big purchase, well, that's what investors are for. That's mm-hmm. how they look at. It. Mm-hmm. So the investors best. They buy it with the investors' money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and they make a profit off of handling the investors' money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the key to like understanding money. And that brings us back. Like me and you were talking earlier. We were talking. I was talking to a guy about Trump and versus Biden, and mm-hmm. you know. Biden mm-hmm. talks about like going to tax the rich. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen, man. Yeah, yeah, just learn that's not going to happen because the rich understand how to use money. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. that they aren't taxed. It's just that they understand how to use money to get past yeah. the taxes. Yeah, they're bulletproof on that. Most of the like wealthiest people, if you look at it, if you look at Bill Gates, there's the Bill Gates Foundation. What people don't realize is that you can, if if you're Bill Gates, you can create a foundation where you put all your money into and then therefore and you pay taxes on it but it's limited okay and protected to how much taxes you're going to pay there's nothing they can ever do no law to make you pay more than that but meanwhile mm-hmm. you control that so that that or that um foundation owns buildings employs people you can get your own people hired there there's all these things that you have control over and if someone tries to come at you personally it's like oh well i don't even own anything this thing owns everything yeah so that's why they're if someone wants to understand why the wealthy are protected it's because of that and we cannot ever you 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 cannot ever do anything about that you will have an easier time taking apart the constitution than doing that 
Mm-hmm. And, the, and the easiest thing for you to do is learn about it, learn how to use it for yourself. Um, like you get a, a, a guy that, you know, let's say they make, you know, a million dollars a year mm-hmm. profit. They're going to take that million dollars and they're going to expand the company. So at the end of the year, they actually mm-hmm. went in the hole. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. truly, they made money off of what they uh, expanded into. Mm-hmm. That's And they just passed taxes because, hey, I went in the hole this year, even though I bought a million dollars worth of property. Mm-hmm. So just learn to use money for your advantage. Mm-hmm. And uh, not back to get to the Biden thing, mm-hmm. but like I was telling you, Biden said he's going to tax the rich. Well, his idea of rich is anybody that makes over $400,000 a year. That's mom and pop stores, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's mom and pop stores right there. That's mm-hmm. the guys that have three, you know, and they're already ate up with taxes because it's taking everything they can do to keep that mom and pop store going. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and really, they just a lot of them, the majority of them just need to learn how to understand how to take the money and make it work for them and expand. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are afraid of um someone else coming in and taking part of the profit. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to investor because I got to pay him. Yeah, but if you got investor that's willing to give you, you know, a hundred grand to expand your business, and five years down the road that hundred grand is done tenfold, it this work, yeah, work well, with you paying. And he's carrying yeah, you, some of the weight for you that you don't have to carry. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, if you look at pretty much every small, oh well, not they, they started small, but every major tech company that we have today, they all started from venture capital. It was like I got an idea. Mm-hmm. They went to a bunch of investors. Mm-hmm. They said, we'll give you millions of dollars to make it work. So we, we get a percentage of your profits or whatever, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. But you made millions of dollars that you or you had cash up front that you never would have gotten. And even a bank would never have taken that risk on you. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying about Biden is something that people don't understand. Right. If there's a top, if there's a top, bottom and middle. The dudes on the top, the top is like a real tight space, <laughs> if you can imagine it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a real tight space. And those dudes up there are untouchable. <laughs> you know, if you're yep. in that level of wealth, people can't do anything to you. I'm mm-hmm. just, just telling you guys something. And then if you're in the bottom of that, um, typically all these things are set up and you're, you're not getting hit for taxes anyway, right? Everyone in the middle of that, the folks who are out there working, working several jobs, those are the people who are going to carry everything, you know, mm-hmm. all the way up to like what you're saying. The guys who are making a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year, but they have a business, they have employees, um, even to the folks out there that have good jobs and they're making a hundred thousand dollars a year or in their family, they're making more than that. You're going to carry everything. The taxes mm-hmm. are going to you. The cost of everything that goes up goes to you. If the person in McDonald's has to get paid more money when you go to McDonald's, you're going to be the one that's somehow carrying that, right? Mm-hmm. Everything, every place you go to buy things, you're going to carry that. You know, if they're just printing up money, when you go buy stuff, you're going to carry that. The people down here, they're getting things. But you have to keep working or you have to go into the people down here. And the guys up here, they're protected from that. At any point, they could just go, done, not doing anything. I don't have to make it. I don't have to like invest in anything or build anything because I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that it's a trap that everyone falls into that they feel like some magical person, not me, is going to pay for this. Yeah. And see, the people that make like $100,000 and under, unless you got a big family and a lot of debt, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to pay in taxes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The guys, like I said, that own, you know, that, that make 400000 the ones that he's trying to call rich, 
and make $400,000 a year. You think about it. If the average person's salary is $30,000 a year, plus your taxes, your insurance, all that other stuff, mm-hmm. uh, that makes 400000 a year is actually got two or three employees. Mm-hmm. That's a really mm-hmm. small business. Mm-hmm. All the way up to the guys that make $2 million a year, because a million dollars a year really isn't a big business. It, it mm-hmm. may seem big, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. you know five employees. Those are the ones that's hit already hit hard with taxes, and Biden's going to hit them even harder yeah. from what he said. And most of so, those, I think you were saying this also before we went on air. I don't know if you were, you know what? But I know that most of those businesses are already in trouble. Mm-hmm. They're know? already in. <laughs> They're already they with said, the shutdown uh, have a lot of problems. I think what the the stat that I heard today was that sixty percent of businesses that closed during the lockdowns will never come back. Yeah. Like that's the statistics that they were saying. I think it was Forbes. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's devastating. That's devastating. It is. And see, you're you're talking to people who are below the poverty line, which is most of all of us mm-hmm. are below mm-hmm. the poverty line. When you say, "Oh, we're going to tax the rich," and they're like, "Yeah, tax the rich," you know. But if you think about it, that's your boss, or that's whoever you're working mm-hmm. for. That's your job. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. going to. And what's he going to do? What's he going to do to make up that extra thing? Somebody's got to go. Exactly. Yeah. So it's better to get the jobs than to get the the assistance. It's like, give me a job instead of give me a check, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So the easiest thing for you to do to combat that instead of trying to tax the rich because the rich, like you said before, they're up here on the top, is to learn about wealth and mm-hmm. how to use it for benefit for yourself. Because mm-hmm. the law is the same for you as it is for Bill Gates. The laws are the same for everybody. You just mm-hmm. have to learn about it. Yeah, that's, how to that's so true. That's 100 percent true. It's just like that thing that we were talking about that if you like us saying it, the knowledge of that is not power. You know what I mean? You got to act on it. Yeah, I could tell you how long ago. This is going to, this is a crazy story. Years ago, years ago, I went to, in West Palm Beach, I went to a Trump, like this financial thing. Remember Trump used to do financial stuff? (laughs) You guys remember that? He used to do seminars Mm -hmm. or his name used to be on it. And I remember going to that and I spent money on some stuff that was talking about this, right? And so Lolo was really mad at me (laughs) because I went to this thing and then I came home with this stuff that was talking about all of this, like how you do, um, you know, all the the different buckets that you could put everything in, let's put it that way. Or that if you want to look it up or if you know about it, charitable trusts. So that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Any of us could do a charitable trust. And this stuff was talking about that, and I spent the money. Guess what, though? It was in a nice box that is still sitting in a nice box, and I never did it. And since then, since it, the thought came into my mind, I've looked into it, and I've heard about it. But if you don't ever act on it, that's, that's not power. It's not doing yep. anything to you because it's out there, and everyone has access to it. It's a lot like the Second Amendment. So mm-hmm. many people in America don't even know that exists. Mm-hmm. They don't know they have the right to defend themselves. Yep. They don't know that. They don't understand that. And then they don't use it. And they're like, oh, you didn't tell me about it. Well, it's there. It's easy. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. Wikipedia it and read the Constitution or the Second Amendment. It's all right there, right? But we just don't, like, it's, that knowledge itself is not power. We all have to figure out how to apply it. Um, I'm not going to speak for anyone else here. I know that I'm like learning and I'm a 48 year old man (laughs) and I'm learning and trying to do the right thing and realize like, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to make this move, go here, reinvest in what I'm doing, that there's these things out here. I need to, 
you know, spend more time figuring out how that works and applying it. And we all need to do that because this is how we get easily tricked by all politicians into making us think that if we vote for them, they're gonna, it's going to magically solve something. But we're really just still in the same boat, you know, and maybe that boat is just going around in circles. So, um, And I started my business right at the end of Obama's uh, deal and mm-hmm. coming into Trump. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you that this is like the most profitable for small business up until the riots. This mm-hmm. is the most profitable small businesses because you got a business manager president no matter how you look towards him you might not like him or whatever mm-hmm. but start a business try to start a business and watch how profitable it more profitable mm-hmm. it is passive income is what you're looking for yeah. passive income and don't be afraid to fail that's the biggest keys of it Amen. just go out there and, man i sold cups man i tried to sell <laughs> cups I, I did everything mm-hmm. to try to create passive income mm-hmm. for example the energy drinks. Keep mm-hmm. your passive if you you know, unless you're in real estate or something like that, keep your passive income low. Energy drinks, mm-hmm. three, four bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. Everybody has spent three, four dollars a pop. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's something that'll constantly be sold. Yeah, if we're all like, if we're all out there hustling, <laughs> something's gotta keep you awake, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something's gotta give so you, you got- that that um, edge to push over. Yeah. I think so, and I think you're right. I think, you know, maybe in the firearms industry, we're kind of doing okay right now because we got declared essential, and, and it's not that on its own wouldn't do anything. But the people out there, not the dyed-in-the-wool gun guys, other people out there said, oh, I'm on my own. And they're out there buying guns and stuff like that, and we're doing okay. But a lot of other businesses are suffering from this shutdown, and we're going to find out that this is totally, totally useless except to just mm-hmm. destroy a lot of businesses, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, but, but you, go yeah. ahead. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, was, no, you, you go. Well, I was just saying, you mm-hmm. said, look at the businesses that are destroyed, but look at the ones that are flourished, pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. things like that. Big business has flourished during this. Mm-hmm. Well, um, see it like the veil is pulled over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might it might be late to bring this up, but if people can check it out, maybe you can talk about it tomorrow on your mm-hmm. show with somebody else. But uh, I think in Nashville, they just saw that the uh, mayoral office there, basically, obviously, a lot of the bars were shut down in, in major cities. Mm-hmm. Well, they were saying that the COVID numbers in bars were actually much lower than almost anywhere else. And so there was documents that came out that the mayor's office knew that. Mm-hmm. And they, they're like, we're not going to publish this information, right? Because if people know, then we basically have to let the bars open. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would they do that? It's because there's there there has to be a, a, some sort of malicious intent behind it mm-hmm. on some level that you're not going to allow certain industries to open when it's been proven that they can open without any issues. It's like if if a hardware store and a grocery and a supermarket can be open, then like 80% of businesses can be open. I think, uh, and know, if without you, a problem. If, yeah, if you guys don't have a time limit, I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try to wrap it up, but I think that if they let those businesses run, most of us would go, what are we doing? Everything else can't be shut down. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. This yep. makes no sense. And you, go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear you. Yeah. So, and, and the thing I think that's coming out that we could see happening is that there's, uh, there's, uh, judges around the country that are starting to say all of this was unconstitutional because these, most of these places have no plan to stop. They're never planning on stopping whatever power the control that they put into effect. They just plan on keeping recycling. Well, 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 I think it was the other day too, that, um, 
the Big Ten had some of their representatives on uh, on Capitol Hill basically explaining why is it that the other major college conferences, except for the Pac-12, of mm. course, uh, can open and can start college football, but you guys can't. And they're like, no, there's no way we can guarantee that it's going to be safe. Next day, the Big Ten announces we're going to start our season. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell people? It was like, well, your information was BS mm-hmm. because literally the day before you went in front of Congress and said some of your medical schools said, oh, well, we can't open safely. There's no way we can get into it. Then now the heat is on you on social media and you're like, oh, man, we're going to have to open because we're leaving billions of dollars on the table. And we can't like we can't get away with this. And and on this one, mm-hmm. because the students started protesting, the parents started protesting. They're looking at their other athletic departments at other schools saying, like, we're going to play football. And people are like, mm-hmm. why the heck can't you do it if they can't? The NFL just played some game. They just had their opening weekend. Why can't you do that? Yeah. So now now, now the the, the bubble's being popped and everybody's yeah. starting to say, wait a second. Something doesn't seem right here. It's like, well, we've been telling you that for months, but at least now you're joining the party. Yeah. Uh, Clint Sanders <laughs> says, why did the government have the power to shut down private businesses anyhow? They don't. That's they don't. the secret. Yeah. They don't. They never had it. But we allow them. It was they, an they illusion. Can do whatever we allow them to do, essentially. That's and what the government. If you think can about do. it, the reason, the one, I believe, my opinion again, the reason behind it is too much power was given to the people. The people had too much power because look at all the small businesses that were flourishing, mm-hmm. um, and now look at them; they're all destroyed. Mm-hmm. And as far as like the the NFL, the NBA, and all those. Look at their sponsors and things that who who's actually making the money off of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Everything that you can buy online or mm-hmm. buy at your convenience store that's open. Mm-hmm. You know, drinks, soft drinks, things of that nature, shoes, anything that you can buy online because you're at home, mm-hmm. you're online. So look at the entertainment side of it is not gonna shut down because that's where the big big business makes their money at. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, and here's another question that people can think about. Where are a lot of those products that those big businesses sell to us manufactured? It's not in the United States, that's for sure. So maybe there's also outside influence that that uh, is incentivizing uh, gov- our government officials to I keep think things close. I would say for <laughs> sure, man, because if uh, – Obviously, if I'm we, speaking about China, but <laughs> – For sure. But if we sh- yeah. if we would have said, hey, we're not allowing anyone to come in and out, we're not allowing these go- goods to come in and out, then a small business here in America would fill that gap real quick. We're exactly. a breadbasket here. We can, mm-hmm. we can get mm-hmm. our food here. We can make things here. Well, People uh, want to uh, buy how stuff. Many, how, how many companies did we see – that were like my pillow, for example, they started making masks. Like they said, we can help. Uh, how many companies said when when we thought it was going to be bad, we'll start making ventilators. People were ready to jump on it yeah, when but they, they don't really to. they don't really want us to do that. Ultimately, exactly. If America stops buying stuff from China, oh man, I mean, America consumes a third of what the whole world creates produces. Think about when it all started too. Mm-hmm. Think about like a. About the time when Trump shut China off, mm-hmm. all this shit hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, you know, we're bringing everything back to America. Boom. Yeah. Next thing you know, uh, yeah, threw a wrench, it's, it's threw a wrench into the yeah. entire it's, machine. It's right insanity. There. And I know, and the, unless I know this is late, but for example, if you look it up, there's the virologist. I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's a virologist out there from China saying that. This was a this was a man-made virus because basically the Chinese military had a, a bat fl- a bat virus that w- had no way of, of uh, crossing over to human beings. They were experimenting on how to get it to cross over to human beings, and it got out. 
And every now, time she says that, she gets deplatformed somewhere. Well, that's what I was going to say. Tread, tread lightly. Tread lightly, <laughs> Hank, because she got booted. She had 60,000 followers. She got booted off of Twitter, and I think Facebook uh, blocked all of Tucker Carlson's interview from it. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if YouTube uh, starts yeah. shadow banning or taking everybody out. Well, ultimately, I think that. that's too bad because, I mean, you know, yeah. just looking at her, and even she couldn't – well, actually, I mean, she could speak English <laughs> – you can tell she, she seemed legitimate. Yeah, yeah. But of course. I mean, it's what we already know. It's what Trump was saying. <laughs> you know, this is what people already know, that this was something that came that came from these guys. However it got out, they made this thing, and it got out from them, and then this whole thing kicked off, and everyone of the world around is covering up for it because they don't want us to be able to point this direct finger and this is why you see all these uh, um, all this social media doing this. At the end of the day, what they care about is controlling the elections. I think we all get that. Um, but, you know, look, the, the folks out there, I think, know this, right? We're not saying things that they don't know. But it's very important to keep all of this in mind uh, when you're out there. And it's really more important to me, I think, to go out there, vote, do what you need to do. But ultimately, don't get stressed out because no matter who's president— they, there's things they cannot do to us unless we allow them to do it to us. Mm-hmm. And there are just things that are beyond our control sometimes, too, that you just got to hunker down. And yeah. all, all I can control is what I've got in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on that and everything else. You just got to be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know what? Before we started this conversation, I know, David, you were wondering how we we're going to even like go, mm-hmm. what we we're going to talk about. <laughs> There you go, more yeah. than two now hours Now we don't want to stop. <laughs> this is an awesome conversation. I, I yeah. love it. I hope, I hope you would come back again in the future and we could just, we could do this again, man, because I really enjoyed, this is my first time ever talking to you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I, it's been awesome. I, it's great. I'll yeah. come back anytime you want, dude. I'll help awesome. co-host. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell Lola to put you on the list for that then. Yeah. yeah, we'll put you on some co-hosting duty. Let's do this before we get out of here. I'm going to start with Rolando. If you could tell the folks who are still hanging out with us right now, Rolando, where can they find you on social media, you know, communicate with you? Yes. Uh, well, you can find me at Puerto Rican Pistolero on all the major social media platforms at this point. Uh, my wife and I do a podcast every week at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time called the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, our podcast is uh, on pretty much all the major platforms. And on Facebook, just search for Locked Loaded Latinos, and you'll find us there too. Awesome. Please. So th- yeah, I yes. encourage everyone to go check out and support Rolando and Joanna. Uh, really cool, really cool folks. Let's uh, help them uh, build up here in the community. And, uh, and David, for the folks who are listening to you out there that they want to follow up with you, get more info about Down the Barrel, what should they do? Uh, check out downthebarrelofficial.com, uh, down the barrel official on Instagram and Facebook and down dot the dot barrel on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate being here, man. Thank you for your time. And I look forward to being on, uh, lock and load. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. It's going to happen. I see everyone saying that you're a great guest. They want to see you, uh, mm-hmm. come back. So we'll definitely do this again. Stay right there. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to run the end of the show here. I want to thank everyone, uh, for, for joining us. Big thanks to Franklin Armory. Uh, stay right there, David and Rolando. Let me run in the end here. Boom. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel, ring the, uh, ring the bell, smash the thumbs ups, leave your comments and all that kind of good stuff. 
We will be back tomorrow. We're going to do a Friday show. Um, and, and you guys can find, we're going to rip out the audio from this and put it up on iTunes and all the other places that you can get your audio podcast. And you can get the uh, the Latino Locked and Loaded podcast as well on all those places. Right, Rolando? Yes, sir. Absolutely. So if you're listening to this one, go find that one and listen to it. <laughs> okay? And let them know that you uh, you you discovered them here on this yes. podcast. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, let's. Uh, who wants the, the last word here before I end this? Got to give it to Dave. Yep, Dave, you get the last word, man. I just say um, thank you for having me on here. And to all the people out there, don't be afraid of failure. Learn about money. Read and get business mind intellectual. Thank you. Absolutely. Awesome. Great words. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we will see you guys tomorrow. We're out of here. Peace.